Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer Podcast. My name is Chris Thurston and I'm joined today by Owen Hill. Hello. And Tom Senior. Hello. And I can't do this voice for very much oh, longer. Oh, come on, Chris, you can keep I, it up. I would love to be able to keep it up. <laughs> it's, oh, a very, it's a very sensual that voice. That took less than 10 <laughs> seconds for us to go there. That's why I'm not allowed to do the voice. Uh, okay. Um, it's overwhelming. Tom. Hello. On a scale of 1 to 10, how proud are you of the Sky Crane? The Sky Crane is surely a maximum 10. <laughs> I, I think so, Owen. Yeah, likewise, I think I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. Mankind's achievements, you know. I think you're referring to the Sky Crane's achievements. Yeah, but, you know, we made it. <laughs> we did make it. Did we, we made the Sky Crane. Did we? We didn't make it itself, did it? Didn't it? <laughs> didn't it, Owen? Can the Sky Crane not make a crane that can make the Sky Crane? <laughs> Well, yes. Well done, Sky Crane. Then, if you yeah. made yourself, if yeah, if, you, if you've not been following the fact that we landed a thing on Mars with a Sky Crane, awesome. then where have you been? It's got almost nothing to do with PC gaming, apart from the fact that it's brilliant. Mm. You know what else is brilliant? PC. Ga- well, <laughs> we, all, we, all, we all like galaxies and the likes. Yeah, that's pretty. We do like space. It's true. Anyway, mm. should we talk about the news? Yes. To start off with, I yes. thought I'd mix things up. I'm nodding. Yes. Let's start with the news that, reportedly, maybe, perhaps, it's going to be a Source 2. A Source mm. Engine 2. A new Valve Engine, or at least a su- substantially upgraded version of the Source they have already. Yeah. Of course, Source has been substantially upgraded mm. since Sorry. 2005. Three, four, five, so three. what do you think would be, because all we've got really are the words Source 2. And Next Gen. And yeah. Next Gen in some code, haven't we? Yeah. And some, <laughs> some icons. for. Uh, what yeah. would it be? What would it be, Chris? What would they actually do to it? I imagine... They would, well, that's an excellent question, Tom. <laughs> uh, I imagine they'll be utilising some of the power that next-gen consoles will be utilising. So mm. it will be a step-up that will uh, let them make games for both PC and console at the same time. You don't yeah, often get like massive-scale games in the Source engine, do you? Like the physics and stuff are awesome, the lighting is It does nice. have some problems with um, like level size. So yeah. like, especially like, Half-Life 2 is quite famous having big like load breaks every so often because you can't make... It's gotten better, but you can't make huge maps in it. You can't make like a daisy island in it. There's just no way of doing that. No. I always wonder if, I mean, I, I kind of made this prediction a bunch of times now and hopefully inching closer to being true is that Valve might go after something like Unity and try and build an engine that people can really easily build games hmm. in, which, I mean, Source is already really good for that. People hmm. do really amazing things with it mod-wise and stuff, and they've always they've got a really good tradition of doing, you know, opening their tools up to people and stuff like that. But it'd be interesting to see if that was the direction that, Something like Source 2 was, was going in. And it could fit with Greenlight, I yeah, guess, could yeah, be exactly. in an interesting way. It's interesting because you see uh, things like CryEngine. They go out of their way to be a kind of what you see is what you get type engine where you tweak things in the environment and what you see will actually end up in the game. And that's completely different to Valve's Hammer level editing software, which is a, a massive, quite obtuse grid system. It takes quite a lot of time to learn and is, is quite hard for people to get into if they're... Have you had a go at making levels? I, I've tried to make some left dead levels when that came out. And it takes absolutely ages. Um, once you get the idea of it, it's fine. But it's just people, I can imagine people just bouncing off that interface. And the interface is very similar to like the very first version of Hammer that they ever released, mm. like way mm. back when. And Worldcraft before that. That's right, yeah. So, so it's all built from there. So maybe if they, they could do a big sweeping update of that, um, that would be really awesome for budding level creators and modders. Yeah, and that sort well, of thing. you see how successful the portal thing was and, yeah. and how, well, how those tools could be fit in. I mean, that was Valve working with their own engine, mm. ultimately. But I guess something more flexible. And I guess there's, there's all sorts of kind of modern engine stuff that next Unreal Engine will be doing and stuff like that they might want to get in. I don't know how, how capable they are of reverse engineering that stuff into mm. Source as it currently stands. Mm. But it looks, I mean, it's, it's, it's continued to look nice as, it, as it's gotten older. It's never so. been, uh, it's always looked good, but you never see a Source game and think, whoa, that looks incredible. Like, yeah, no, um, like Most of the 
beauty in Valve games comes from the design. So Portal 2, um, the source engine did a lot more stuff in Portal 2 than it's done before with Dynamic Shadows and stuff. But it's mostly the design of those environments and the characters and you know the foliage that actually sold it rather than the power of the engine itself. Mm. It felt. I guess if you whack TF2 right up with every single thing, like the anti-aliasing on like, you know, 16 MSA, whatever it is, then it can look pretty amazing, can't yeah. it? Yeah. Again, that's a massive design thing. Because TF2 characters are so beautifully designed. Like They also like Pixar characters. Yeah, um, yeah. So when you make those shiny enough, yeah. it, it looks lovely. It looks amazing. Well, yeah, but I guess in that case, no matter how good the next engine, if there is a next engine ends up being, I hope they don't stop really beautifully designing games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Like, run, you know. <laughs> Leaning on incredible tech to avoid having to yeah. absolutely beautifully design things would be a shame. So, I mean, it was interesting watching the footage of the Black Mesa Source thing that came out today. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yeah. Um, which is on a rail, isn't it? Uh, on a rail. On, and yeah. there's some blurry kind of phone footage of a surface tension or something. Mm. What's that level called? Which, which looks nice, but it's, it's by, by no means modern. You know what I mean? Like it's, it looks mm. a bit like Half-Life 2. Uh, yeah. Basically, yeah. Uh, things that mod has been in development since Half Life Two, pretty mm. much. So uh, it, they've been using that old version of Source, and it looks like they haven't really used the modern version that Episode yeah. Two uses or Portal Two uses. Um, yeah, it's interesting watching that. Like you sort of notice, obviously, the design for Half Life Two is extraordinary. Um, Half Life One was really original, I think, in terms of setting, but it, the design wasn't necessarily the thing that stood out about it. You know, like, and you, you notice it in, in maybe watching those chunks of Hot, uh, Black Mesa Source that it's really, really strong colours, like really bright red mm. light. You know, when it's dark, it's really dark. It's yeah. sort of it, whereas almost every area of um, this is what I, I loved about Unreal, the first Unreal game. It just had mad lighting. You just go into a room, <laughs> and it's bright red lights there because we can, and then bright green lights. It's like <laughs> look at our lighting, look at our lighting, it's screaming bright primary colours everywhere. That's a, not how <laughs> no one likes an area like that ever. Yeah. Um, mm. But people were so excited to be able to do coloured lighting that you know that we're outside of Quake and we've gone beyond brown. People, we've, we've got red, we've got yellow, we've got rainbows <laughs> now. Look at our awesome levels, and people went a bit nuts with it. I think for a while. Yeah, but that's why it's become more subtle since then. So striking because, yeah. because they kind of figured out what colour daylight was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What colour is the world? Yeah, it's kind of bluey. But good, good breakthrough for gaming that yeah. figuring out what colour the world is. Yeah. What colour um, light is? It's from really the important. old uh, HDR squinty mode. Indeed, emulates yeah. emulates <laughs> being hungover the human squeeze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love um, those big graphical advances that you look back on and think, and it's just like a fashion thing, like bloom lighting. Mm. Uh, and you look back, and it's like, actually that's a terrible idea. You know, mm. big bloom. I can't see anything. I'm just blind. <laughs> like, look at this man's really shiny face. That, <laughs> why is that? That's not better. Like the oblivion glowing face. Exactly thing, right. Like, oh yeah. yeah, you zoom in. You know the old oblivion crash zoom. If mm. he's standing next to a torch, it's just it becomes like a glowing <laughs> orange blur in your vision. Eve online without the bloom is significantly less pretty though. Like, yeah, that's, space is all about bloom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Pure bloom. Yeah, I mean, well, what is space but a load of lights in space? Maybe they'll hey. get to Mars and it'll just be <laughs> so much bloom. They won't, <laughs> like, they won't be able to handle it. Curiosity just drives around. Like, it's glary, <laughs> out of focus. Like 45 degree angle tilted yeah. screenshots of Mars. <laughs> From NASA's press department. Mm. <laughs> Should we move on? Yeah. We talked about Source 2. What's next on the agenda, Chris? You're looking at the agenda, Owen. Stop living a lie. <laughs> you know full well it's the fact that announced a couple of hours ago is <laughs> Day Z, Day Z, going standalone, standing on its own. Hooray. Probably. We, 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 we it, guessed that might happen at one point, didn't we? Yeah, I, I think, think you pretty much said it would happen. Well, yeah, you got I think it's strongly at E3, I think. It was quoted as saying that. Yeah, I mean, it makes a huge amount of sense given how well that game is continuing to do, well, how, well the mod is continuing to do and... Mm. 
how big a take up there's been. Hopefully it'll be exactly the kind of uh, motivation they need to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> like mm. just boot up and get onto a server and, you know, fix the server tech and mm. fix the like, load times. There's, there's a huge amount to be said for, I mean, I think, in, in one of the interviews he did with Evan, um, Rocket said that, you know, it's, it's, it's much about approach to games as a particular game, you know, yeah. an idea that games don't have to be accessible and the games don't have to necessarily uh, ease you in gently. But nonetheless, I think games should work. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> I love it when they like, I like yeah. difficult games, but I like games that, you know, aren't difficult to get into. Mm. Like some some with. people just get off on the fact that other people can't play the game they're playing, though. And that is part of the appeal because it makes it extra hard to mm. It's like, you know... Yeah, like, if you haven't... I guess when you get to the point where you're directly quoting version, like, six-digit version numbers <laughs> at each other, then yeah. you're, at the real, you're at the real hardcore end of hardcore. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't find that... That's not the thing that draws me to, to difficult games. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, what would you... I mean, beyond simple stability, is there anything people would like to see them do from, for a full game that they haven't been able to do because it's a mod or... Hmm. Well... They, I'm not sure they'll be doing this because they they say they're going to continue to develop the mod alongside the standalone version. But I'd like to see them actually make it in the Armour Three engine, and mm. probably mm. make it an next. You know, give the give the graphics a bit of a nudge. Maybe get a few more zombie models in there. Just if it's some bit of visual polish. You know, tune up the controls. You know, it's the Armour Two engine. It's kind of a bit clunky control wise. So if they could sharpen that stuff up, you know, just it's just yeah. you know those rough edges. Just kind of iron them out and make it make it more slick. I'd be interested to see if they could make it look more like a zombie apocalypse hmm. because it, it, the way Day Dead looks is really striking because it's so bare, but it's because it's zombies in a place that's just empty, right? It's just a ghost town. There's no, you know, wreckage or debris or, yeah, you know, there's true. no sense of this. There may be abandoned cars and, and there's, you see those Humvees with the wheels missing and things, but there's no, there's no huge sense. Hmm. I don't know if I'm necessarily asking for a kind of Left 4 Dead style apocalypse where it's completely in your face, but a bit more of sense of it. And then, you know, maybe that could deteriorate over time or something. That'd be a cool way. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that's cool, like, yeah. I'd love to see Far Cry 2 style dynamic fire. That'd be brilliant. I'd love to see that everywhere. Mm. Yeah, I mean, every game should have dynamic fire, That's obviously. Awesome. Yeah. But, um, but I think, yeah, that'd be, if they can do that sort of thing, then that would really, really sell it to me as well. Like, I want to I wanna accidentally set a town on fire. Let's leave it at that. When I was talking to uh, Introversion's Chris DeLay, I asked him what he thought they should do with DayZ. And he had this really cool idea, which was... He said that moment when you kind of see someone and you're kind of working out whether they're friendly or you know bad or whatever is is a cool moment, but it's still kind of random. Like most of the time, people just end up shooting you these days. He says, and he came up with this idea where you could kind of take the clip out of your gun and approach them with like only one bullet in your gun and make it clear that you didn't have any more than one bullet in your gun. So you both kind of did that. And if someone did take a shot and missed, then they knew that they were going to go down. There was going to be a repercussion to that. That's really cool idea. And like you can imagine, kind of the actual animation of just pulling the magazine out of a machine gun and like walking over like that is pretty awesome. <laughs> awesome kind image. of silhouette, isn't it? It's a pretty awesome image. Mm. I think it'd be nice to have some kind of mechanic for like player infection or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if you, I mean, they already kind of had it when they introduced getting ill and the sickness, just like getting colds and things, and that yeah. being contagious and people want to be being left alone. Um, I don't know if that's still in the game. I played it shortly after it was introduced, but I can't remember. Anyway, stuff comes and goes so quickly. But having it? that sort of sense of like, if you've been bitten by a zombie, kind of knowing you're going to turn eventually or something, mm. or you know that kind mm. of thing. Giving person someone one bullet and just leaving them to it. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> leave me. Well, it's such a kind of it's such a, a classic part of zombie fiction mm. that games don't really do. So it's probably the one part that games don't really do is having to shoot your friend. 
Like, yeah. and always, every zombie film or, or story you can think of probably has that moment where someone's like, no, he's not going to turn, he's going to turn, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and if you spend like eight hours trying to log into a survey, yeah. you make a deal as well. It's my Saturday night, mate. My <laughs> girlfriend's take, dumped me for this. <laughs> it'll take me six hours to log back in. <laughs> no! <laughs> Leave me. No! <laughs> I can't play until Tuesday. <laughs> et cetera. Yeah, that'd yeah. Be brilliant. We should do that. <laughs> Um, Rocket described it as I'm looking at my notes now a fairy tale outcome for a mod which uh, many would have said impossible that I quite like fairy tale outcome because it's, it's not really a fairy tale is it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a horrible, it's a horrible fairy tale nightmare that <laughs> yeah. betrays each other nightmare and, outcome yeah. Yeah. steals enough guns yeah. to kill other people for sport <laughs> <laughs> it's great news for um, that an art, like just the way that mod shifted sales of Armour 2 just yeah. proved mm. the passion for that and the people wouldn't spend money for that for a mod uh, it's kind of amazing. Mm. Well, I think, so I think I'm going to I'm going to execute such a such a segue here. <laughs> They're going to give me an Olympic gold for segways. All right. I wish there was a segway race. In the <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so do I actually. Damn, that's a much better idea than one I had. <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, Armour 2 has been a testbed for this stuff from the start. Like, it's always been a really good engine for trying stuff out, mm. including head tracking. Mm. and like the kind of the early attempts at like um, track IR yeah. and that, that VR headset stuff works really well with Armour 2 yeah works really well with Armour 2 um, and recently John Carmack's Oculus Rift project has been successfully kickstarted. <laughs> excuse me while I just do a little loop on my subway <laughs> <laughs> do you know how much money it's made to, to today to, to, to this date, date. to date <laughs> no. today how much money has it made to date 1.4 million dollars that's how much people want to put goggles on and be attacked by a demon yeah how much did they ask for? What was their limit? 25k. Blimey. That's what I say <laughs> <Yeah>. to that. <laughs> Crikey. Crikey, I say. It was 24. Are they 250? Maybe I should double check that. Well, I can't because you've made me put my phone on airplane Yeah, mode. Uh, those of you who complained about the interference <laughs> noises in last week's, last, uh, the last podcast, will be glad to know that I've uh, made everyone switch their phones off. Yeah. Um, like the uh, school teacher. <laughs> That's very good. It's, it's, or air flight hostess. It's a good approach. Air flight. Yeah, shut up, Chris. Anyway. All right, um, so, so right, yeah. you guys, do you guys want Oculus Rift? Yes. How much do you want it? I mean, I would pay some money. I, I mean, it depends. Right now, Oculus Rift, for you, how much? £200. Would you pay more than £200, Tom? Uh, do I get to try it first? This is the big thing, No, game, really. no, it's the gamble. Oh, what? Carmack has said it's good. Car- okay. <laughs> will, will he Car- says a lot of things. Will Carmack say that to me to my face, or do I have to watch a video on the internet of him saying that? No, he's, he's just had a go of it. He's like, oh, it's good, Chris. So, okay, so me no, and Carmack... He's, he's going to leave the room. So, and so he's like, okay. what's it like? And he goes, oh, I've got to go... So me and Carmack, <laughs> we're standing in a room together, right? And he's yeah. got these goggles on. And he's like, oh, this is brilliant. He puts them down and goes, oh, right, yeah, these are great. And then has to run. And you can't test them out. Like, you know, Tom said 200. Are you saying 201? I, I said 200. He said 200. Okay. I, I said nothing yet. <laughs> the worst auctioneer. It's not spending my money on it. I'll keep my money. Are you going to pay more than £200 for the Oculus Oh, Rift? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm always a bit wary of uh, this kind of virtual reality headset stuff. Ever since back in the 90s, I went to a Games Master convention, uh, back when those happened, mm. and they had those giant virtual reality rigs. I don't know if you remember those Yeah, things. I do. I, the, I remember that. was in a shop once. Was yeah. it red? Was it, was, it red? Yeah, bright red mask that kind of projected like three feet in front of your face, and you kind of stood on a treadmill or something. Yeah. And, um, well, and you know I was uh, no, I know I was I was really young I was like 8 or something and even then I knew it was crap <laughs> I knew it was rubbish the graphics in that at the time were worse than the graphics on my like Amiga at home or something yeah, which is but, what made me a bit sad but the movement stuff didn't work either it just felt really no. weird and clunky so 
I, I'm I'm laboured with memories of that of the nineties. You've got to let <laughs> so, go, man. I know. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. It's 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 the, it's the future now. So maybe mm, I, yeah, have I mean that's it. all. I mean what Carmack said is that there's essentially nothing that's changed apart from the fidelity of the screens and the the you know the yeah. motion tracking tech has just improved. Like there's been no kind of singular massive breakthrough that's allowed it to the work. The thing he was mad the about though was the lag, isn't it? Because yeah, he says the reason the other ones make you want to spill or don't work <laughs> are because that tiny bit of lag. It's like the uncanny valley, isn't it? Of of lag. Yeah. But once you once you match the the latency with with your brain, the latency the, of the human brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he literally did say that. Yeah, did say that. Then the, once you've done that, it kind of um, the magic happens. And five you're, milliseconds. You're having the best Doom BFG experience you could ever have. Yeah, I I, I would accept a certain amount of vomiting for that mm. experience. I think. I mean, there's you know, yeah. as far as the immersion goes, like if I was trapped <laughs> on Mars with loads of aliens, I'd probably vomit. I just imagine walking into the living room and <laughs> like, I can imagine my girlfriend walking in and I've got this Oculus Rift on my head and I just, I'm just sick all over the floor. She's like, you're never going to use that again. It's like, oh, I won't. And then I go upstairs secretly, put the Oculus Rift on, have another sick. It's like, oh, this isn't the way to live. It comes with a nose bag. <laughs> this isn't the way to live my life. But you're addicted to it. Solve this terribly. <laughs> That's not worth two hundred pounds to anyone. So anyone. To the Oculus I'm not paying two hundred and one pounds for. Let's uh, put it on. Have a little well, sick. <laughs> every level there's a little loading time where you just just take. Gives it you a little breather. <laughs> yeah, you look out the window at a distant object. Breathe into a paper bag for a bit. It's, oh. it's oh. so immersive. Look at a beautiful picture of a, of a waterfall or something. Just have a bit of a think, oh and God. then back to doom. No, do not. I don't want that. I don't. You completely put <laughs> I me don't off know it. That, if that'll happen or not. You, not. Nevertheless, the image of that in my mind is is, is enough See, to deter me. I'm, I'm still. I still got the faith. Uh, believe in John Carmack. Um, I I want goggles. Hmm. True. True. Generally true now. Um, and I, I can believe that all that was standing in the way with things like latency and screen quality and stuff like that to getting something where you can move your head around and, and look around inside an environment. Frankly, I would like it not just for. Um, I'd be happy to, you know, maybe not pay that much, but to, you know, have it as a demo unit, like what they're talking about. Like, I think the idea mm-hmm. of being able to, you know, like stick your head inside a game is brilliant. Even if you can't fully play a game from that perspective, there are plenty of environments in games I would like to just stick yeah, my head into and <laughs> look around. <laughs> the it's rest it's, of it. it's yeah. totally 3D as well, isn't it? It's 3D and it's got yeah. the head tracking. Yeah. Like, yeah but like, imagine if you could just put a he- headset on and then you'd be stood in the middle of the market in Whiterun in Skyrim and you yeah. could just turn around and have a look around mm. and feel the wind on your face. Because of a fan that a John Mark Gunmark is holding, <laughs> <laughs> he'd have a little sick. <laughs> oh God! Sorry, Carmack. I'm sure it'll be really nice to use. We've, we've essentially accused him of creating a product that makes everyone automatically vomit. Every, so Some like every... people vomit from 3D. Some people can't handle so 3D. 3D. Yeah, that's true, actually. Well, so I mean, it's it, you know, if that's maybe if 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 you suffer from that, then it's probably not. It's easy. just not being able to see your own vomit is the issue. For me. <laughs> As like, what, so, why? There's, why there's something so gross about like taking knowing off, you vomited uh, <laughs> yeah just be like oh I'm, I'm gonna kill the boss I don't know how bad it is yet I don't know like I'm gonna finish this dragon off and, uh, you know and that's the point when someone walks in isn't it and you haven't bothered cleaning it and you've got big headphones on so you couldn't hear Oh, oh my God, Carmack! Stop, stop saying things. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible so, thought. I mean, ideally, then there'd be some kind of sensor to allow it to happen in game as well. Hmm. I don't know. You want in-game 
vomit feedback. I don't think I'd be I'm saying going to write that. a letter to Carmack immediately with this serious <laughs> issue. Mm, oh, good. Well, so we've, in we've certainly got to the bottom of the technical limitations of that, <laughs> to that piece of equipment. So, no, I'm not buying that. Um, <laughs> but but nonetheless, anyway. there's a lot of enthusiasm for it. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. I'd love, yeah. To, I'd love to try it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, definitely. I, I really hope it becomes their, like, demo mainstay when mm. they're doing, like, trade shows and things, because that sounds awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's cool they're sending it to people as they're developing it so people can use it in their games. Because the thing with, like, the Hydra, you know, the Hydra thing? Yeah, yeah. Like, all of a sudden it was like, are there any games out for this? But this thing will already have games confirmed support, like, way before it's out and stuff. Mm. Which yeah, cool. Valve will love it as well. They love, they've always em- embraced that. Sort if they of haven't already built something. If they, yeah, yeah, if they haven't yeah. already made one. In their ideas cave. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think Gabe Neal said about it. I want to stick my head in their ideas cave. <laughs> Gabe? <laughs> Gabe can say something I want to see what they're doing. <laughs> I want to see what they're up to in there. <laughs> right, next item. <laughs> next item. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Um, so, um, I thought we'd talk about the fact that we had a few bits of kind of big, interesting MMO news recently. Mm. Um, two things. One is that the Old Republic has gone free-to-play, uh, or is going free-to-play in the autumn, mm. within a year of release, kind of quite clean within a year of release. Um, and also as part of um, Activision Blizzard's second quarter earnings call they have announced that well they kind of they said that uh, World of Warcraft has dropped another 1.1 million subscribers which they've attributed to Diablo 3 which I guess is reasonable um, to an extent and the pre-expansion lull because Mr. Pandaria isn't out till the end of September and both of those things kind of I guess would definitely impact it but it does nonetheless all taken together suggest pretty you know rapid decline in, in how you know well in Tor's case how viable a subscription based game can be and for how long and in WoW's case you know 9.1 million people are still a lot of people yeah they'll be it. fine but and they'll be fine for probably you know a good long while yeah probably for the lifespan of that game I think that goes, there are people who will play just World of Warcraft forever and they don't want to play any of the games and there'll, be, yeah. there'll always be a core of people who play that I think mm. but um, I think Tor going free to play is kind of huge and yeah. you know EA expected that to be their WoW basically like they were shaping that up to be their thing, the thing that would just keep them going and going and going. And here they are trying to flip it over to free to play. Yeah. You, you said something interesting when you came in the other day. You actually immediately cancelled yeah, my subscription. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so why would you do that? What's supposed to well, do? I mean, I I don't have time to commit to an MMO endgame. Mm. I just don't. Like raids and, and operations and things like that. I, I've played all of those in tour. I've seen them all once and that's kind of enough for me. Like I'm not the kind of person who can log in every week to do that. So mm. once I've seen all of them, so I'm much more likely to resubscribe or pay whatever extra to see the new content as and when it comes out mm. um, than I am to kind of stay involved. And I realized that, you know, I, I hadn't been playing Tor very much and um, I mostly kept it active um, so that I could, you know, check in with the community and stuff like that and play a few of the characters on the side, mm. but become less and less a part of my time. And frankly, when it goes free, if I want to level up another character, I can, you know. Um, so what do you get for the um, the guys who pay? What do they get? Pay uh, If you pay, um, you get access to, I think you get a few more character creation options or the full set as opposed to a limited set. You get all of the post-level 50 content, none of which is out yet, you know. Um, and you get access to operations, which are the big raids that you don't get at all. And you, you, have, you can do unlimited flashpoints. There's a limit on how many, basically, instances oh, wow. you can do if you're free. Um, I think that's the something. Also, you get um, a certain amount of their like real money storm currency, which is called cartel coins. You get a certain amount every month as part of like like a monthly stipend of coins that you can spend on on the stuff in that store. Hmm. Um, and like people who've been previously subscribers or boom subscribers get a certain amount for every month they subscribe previously and stuff like that to kind of get people started. Um, but there was looking at it, there was nothing in there that made me want to 
stay subscribed really and it's a game I've you know I've enjoyed a lot and I really enjoy getting characters to 50 but for the for the side of the game that I like which is leveling up characters and seeing the stories that mm -hmm. stuff's all basically folded into the free dimension mm -hmm. of the game right. now so why would I continue to pay for it um, I think it's interesting because when Tor came up people were talking about how it's probably going to be like the last subscription MMO you know it was probably going to be the last of the that you know generation where it's really actually wow looks like it was the last yeah, generation so. yeah. everything that came after wow has you know pretty much left that model one point one way or another there are a few like evil no, I don't, can't see Eve moving away from their subscription model. No, Eve, Eve, got that I think audience whenever now. you talk about MMOs, Eve is the exception. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, right. um, what um, about the Secret Wars? Do you reckon that's got long as a subscription? No, no way. They've, I mean, they, they had a free weekend recently, and that's within a month of release. Um, mm. I just I mean, I mean, just don't think it's that viable a model anymore. I think there's way too much going. Mm. There's, there's, there's way too, too many good, good, good games. games you know, yeah. like, and especially, you know, when subscriptions were a thing, pretty much every game you cared to buy was going to be 40 quid. Um, and you know, and you kind of expected to pay a premium if you wanted something that was always connected. Now, neither of those things are the case. Yeah. You know, you can get brilliant games for eight ninety nine, right? The price of your Warcraft subscription or whatever is could get you brilliant things. Or, yeah. You know, on, on indie or, or through Steam sales or anything. So you know, it's just it's an anachronism, I think, and something that's rapidly kind of proving to be a risk. Just play World of Tanks for a hundred hours and happily not pay anything, and that's a really great game. And if mm. you can do that and not pay anything. Or maybe you just pay, I don't know, a couple of quid for an experience boost every two months. You, you get to pay as much as you want to pay. Yeah. And once you've had that freedom, it's very hard to go back to that regimented one, like £10 a month. And it becomes harder and harder to justify that. Yeah. And you kind of feel like, am I playing this game enough to justify £10 for this, this month? And normally, no, not really. Unless you're a hardcore raider, it's unlikely mm -hmm. that you'll be putting in the hours to justify yeah. the cost. Um, and, but once upon a time as well, you know, that, that money was justified on the grounds that these games were these huge experiments, mm -hmm. right? These these. These experiments in, in running a game that couldn't run any other way, right? Like there are there are plenty of ways of doing cooperative dungeons with your mates that don't require the persistent world that ties it together. Frankly, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. someone could make World of Raids. Yeah. Neverwinter Nights is yeah, a great cooperating. It's not that mechanic in and of itself doesn't doesn't you know support um, the idea of a subscription in the way that Eve does, where it's this huge thing that needs constant management. That if if yeah. CCP take their eye off Eve, <laughs> yeah, the whole you know what I mean, it, it's it's like he, Rocket said about Day Z. It's you know probably three hours from disaster. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, kind of sense that it mm. needs constant care because, and that's what you're paying for. You're, you're not paying for content and patches. You're paying for the care it takes to keep this massive experiment running. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, WoW isn't that necessarily. Like WoW is a very locked down game in a lot of ways. There's you know loads of content, but it's quantity, not. Um, variability right you know what i mean like hmm. um, it's not dynamic it's not changing is it and hmm. there's not um they, they'll keep an eye on the gold the back the gold balance and the economy and stuff but not to the extent that eve guys will where that economy can they have to be has to be very carefully looked at and watched and hmm. yeah. um i mean they had to roll back recently when uh, the goon swarm broke the economy didn't they and yeah. like last month uh they, they found an exploit that let them uh turn the pvp uh mode against uh, the developers basically mm. so they get to, they destroyed those, their own ships in order to gain bounties and sell on products that earned them an incredible fortune that he, that CCP just had to wipe out to another badass Eve story I know yeah there's, there are so many well I mean that's the wonderful thing about these games is they generate badass stories um, or they mm. used to and that's you know the thing that's been missed And but yeah. like it's almost like we lost that variability and we lost that kind of chaos but we kept subscription fees <laughs> and I think finally people are just waking up to the fact that you, know, you don't have to like there's no you know if you've if you're if you're if you're paying to, to keep logging in and keep playing with your friends and you have a really good, you know, if that game is a big part of your life, then then yeah. But the, the game that will probably still have that for people is WoW mm. because it's been around long enough that yeah. it just means that much to people. Whereas I don't think a new game is going to really 
No. And you play well because your friends are playing well and, you know, you've got a character that you put hours and hours and hours into and you were there f five, six years ago and, mm. you know, it just feels like a place you want to be. Yeah. People get genuine nostalgia from it, don't they? So, yeah. like, that's, you know, that's why yeah. Tim keeps talking about, I think. I mean I, I mean, I do. Like, I mean, I played well from release and, and, and didn't play a huge amount after the expansion started. Um, but I went in recently on an old character to play Pandaria for a preview mm. and... Like that hit me. Like those locations remind yeah. me of the music I had on the background when I was leveling there the first oh, time. Like these, these places do stick in people's brains. That's why they're so powerful. But it maybe seems like charging a monthly fee to get access to that stuff is just a just just a, it's the old ways. It's mm. it's 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 going away. Um, also, people talk about like free to play being a risk for companies. Where you wonder if subscriptions just aren't the bigger risk now mm. that you risk mm. you know putting people off or scaring them away or, or making them cynical about you. Which uh, and I think the investment required to create a game that can justify a monthly cost is is the risk there. And that's why EA put and put so much money into Bioware and, uh, to create yeah. that, this insane, enormous story, you know, all those class stories and all those, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of story and cutscenes and voiced action scenes just to entice people into paying for it monthly. And if you can't put that, level of effort in even if you can apparently it still isn't going to mm. I mean people. I would argue that their their investment was the opposite of the investment CCP have always made mm. like because their investment was into making something that was more nailed down more content heavy yeah. less dynamic right mm. the moment you're recording dialogue you're making the game less dynamic because it becomes something harder to, to change yeah. and harder to influence the record the moment you're giving f player characters a voice you're actually limiting player creativity because you're kind of locking down that certain aspect of the experience and it's very effective right it's really fun yeah. but it's fun in the way a single player game is fun Right. Mm. The thing that makes MMOs special is, you know, people investing in systems that can run away with you and kind of go off and do all these things. Like EA's investment was massive, but it was an investment in the non MMO part of, that game. of the yeah. MMO. Mm. Like, and that's I mean, and I think I still think they made a really good game, a game I really enjoyed. But they ran into a serious yeah. problem there where um, if what you play it for is the story, then they're never going to. Well, maybe they will, but it's very, very hard to add to that stuff. You know, yeah. it's hard to give someone another 10 hours of story without a huge investment and getting all the voice actors back in and getting the writers in. Mm -hmm. And it's just not how, it, like, the the content they've added into the end game is never going to be that detailed. Yeah. And they're never going to satisfy those people. And so they're just going to lose them, which is, I mean, seems to be what's yeah. happening. Like, have they lost me? I mean, yeah, put it this way, right? Um, so Leviathan, this Mass Effect 3 DLC, is going to come out yeah. sometime, uh, they said summer, I think, so sometime soon-ish. Yeah. That's going to cost probably about a tenner, mm, which is absolutely. about the price of a, of a tour subscription. And I'm going to buy that. I'm going to pay my two or three extra hours of, of Mass Effect 3, and I'll probably enjoy it, and then I'll put it away again. And if, you know, they'd had that every month in tour, then I totally would have kept paying my £10 yeah. a month because mm -hmm. it's that same value sense. So, like, Absolutely. I'm buying for more and more and more of this. But obviously, yeah. if they can't do it for Mass Effect 3 within <laughs> six months of the game's release, then they can't do it for tour every month for eight classes. It's never going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Sad. It, it, uh, well, it's well, sad for them, but there is no reason. I mean, Tom, we were talking about this yesterday. You made a really good point, which is that it, it works plenty of people. Like Turbine with Lord of the Rings have handled it really well. Yeah, there is no reason why free to play means a death sentence for a game. No, by any means, um, it's just it's it's a way of earning people's cynicism. I think. Yeah, <laughs> and it's 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 uncomfortably close to to the initial release. I think mm. it's just a little bit too close. It makes you think. Yeah, mm. it made me kind of. Yeah, sort of breathing through my teeth a little bit. Kind yeah, of, yeah. kind of, I've put a lot of money into that thing, and now I'm yeah. going to get that for free. Kind of um, thing. Yeah. And, um, but also, you know, having spoken to those guys recently, when like you know when they did the big Rat Ghoul Plague thing, and that seemed like a really cool yeah. dynamic mm. event, and that felt like that was going to be their way of of picking up numbers a little bit, yeah. interest in the game, and think, oh, cool, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And then only a few months later, it's like, oh, we're free to play, right? You know what I mean? It's mm. almost like they've tried a few different things, but this is ultimately what they've come down to. Yeah. Should we do the Steam charts? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. My pleasure. <laughs>
At number 10, at 6.99, is Awesome Noughts. Awesome um, Noughts. Which is the... It was originally console exclusive for about couple, six months or so. Was it um, six months? Possibly, yeah. I think it came out in the year. Um, which is a 2D uh, Dota with a kind of alien hominid style um, control scheme. So lots of different cartoon characters running right to left to left to right, but still destroying turrets and kind of escorting creep waves and stuff as you do in um, Dota. I haven't actually played the PC version yet, but I played the console version quite a lot. I played a bit of the PC version. I was enjoying it, and then I kind of... I don't know. I think... I forgot that you have to still kind of farm because it felt like a 2D shooty, like mm. you said, Alien Homelade kind of feel to it. But then I kind of remembered that it was a MOBA and it was like, oh, I'm level three and they level 12. But that was only against AI. Yeah. But you've yeah. had a good time with it, haven't you, Tom? You've been yeah, I had a good time it. with it. I think I, in, in perfect conditions, really, because I played it with five other people and it's mm. three versus three. And we're, just, we're all on Skype and that's a, just a great, it's great fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, the, it's kind of, it gives you that Dota formula, but really quickly and in a, it's really apparent what you're, where you're supposed to be going or what you're supposed to be doing. And they've got a really clever jungle system where you go into the jungle and you kill creeps in the jungle for health. Yeah. So you can just nip out into the jungle, uh, get your health back and quickly get back into the fight without mm. having to TP all the way back to base and then run all the way back and that kind of thing. So it gives you kind of the, the loose, fast basics of a MOBA. Uh, Maboba. <laughs> uh, 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 finally, we figured out what that genre is called. Moba, Moba, Magoba. I hate that word. <laughs> Moba. Stupid. That's how I used it. Uh, yeah, and they, yeah. And in that sense, it's awesome because the characters are so uh, different from each other. And there's, a, there's a smaller range of characters, but it's all about how you equip them. So uh, you can cause your dash, da- dash attack to do more damage or cool down faster um, or stun people. And that's how you upgrade. And it's all very apparent. It's easy and it's good fun. And it's got a lovely art style. And the brilliant mm. theme music. We don't have to head back. I head back into that, and we play some. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Be the frog. I love the frog. Yeah, um, it's based on um, like eighties Saturday morning cartoons, really mm. heavily. So that's where the art style and the theme music comes from, which I think is really lovely. Kind of, mm. um, it's sort of interesting that like that those stu- that stuff inspired so many games in terms of like how games you know sixteen bit games were, but yeah. no one's actually kind of taken that art style and made a non sixteen bit game <laughs> out of it, which I think is yeah, embraced really cool. an incredibly yeah. complicated genre and tried to deliver it in a really pretty. Interesting, it's the same guys who did uh, Swords and Soldiers, which was the um, sort of 2D StarCraft oh, okay. thing. So they've kind of got a track record of taking like, yeah, isometric, did that exact thing. really hard copy C things yeah. and, and turning them into uh, 2D Adorable cartoony 2D things, yeah, yeah. Uh, versions. Also, one of the designers, Joost van Dongen, is the guy who did Prown, oh, yeah. um, which was the racing a ball around cable indie game that everyone really liked last year with the amazing that soundtrack really and really amazing art. Yeah. Um, he's just, I think, one of their programmers, which ah, is great and cool. Number nine is Deponia for twelve seventy nine, which is a adventure uh, game, German adventure, German point and click adventure game. Again, sure with very is. pretty art. Yeah, um, again, it looks nice, but uh, I've played it a bit, and it's definitely an adventure game. <laughs> if you like puzzles that don't quite make sense, then it's all in there. Combined fudge with hair. Yeah, it, I think there's there's one in the uh, uh, one of the first puzzles is you can't leave on your adventure until you found your socks. So you have to, and you know, why not? I can leave my house with no socks. And if I, if I choose but where to. where are the socks? Because if they're in your drawer, then that's the logical. Then no, they're, they're not in the drawer. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, uh, you know, you find them and, and one's a different color and you have to, I think, dye it a different color to see you leave with correct socks. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. It's just, it's got that contrived adventure game thing <laughs> where. crazy OCD. Simulator. You're about to go on an adventure. First, find the socks. No, they're not in the place you think they are. No, they're in completely stupid places. I know they're wrong now. You're going to have to do something silly to them to make them right. And now mm. you can leave and then you get, get on with your adventure. And it's just the same kind of pacing problem that all adventure games have where mm. it keeps you trapped in the puzzles. Uh, it feels frustrating. Uh, so I've 
horribly trash that game really. But, uh, if you like adventure games, then we'll check <laughs> it out. Check then it Tom out. is looking down on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of adventure games really anymore. Uh, yeah, I wonder why they like kind of. I guess the appeal of adventure games was maybe the novelty of interacting with the world in mm-hmm. that kind of really granular way, and now it. It was always just, a comedy for me. Like it was a great, it's a great way to deliver jokes. Yeah. The adventure game format, and that's mm. what I always loved about it. Uh, and it always felt like the puzzles were getting in the way. But if the puzzles are the point for you, then I guess it's a different genre entirely. Mm. I've definitely um, found that playing The Walking Dead, um, which mm. we might talk about if we get into what we've been playing. Cool. Um, but there's definitely moments in that when it's the puzzles are the things that stand out the most. When it's like. Um, I remember that you know what I mean like that aggressive so naturalistic and talking to people and, and trying to figure out human conflict that then when you have to wander around to find a plank of wood it feels like I mean there are definitely times in life when I walk around the flat looking for a plank of wood you know but like these things happen but it's not something you want simulated in your adventure but I'm not, I'm not like rubbing my hand over the world trying to figure out what I can interact with um, yeah that is I've never seen you do that it's true yeah you'll never see me do that Moving on. Uh, Civ 5 Gods and Kings, and number eight, which is 20 quid. Has uh, anyone played this yet? No, we've reviewed it. What, we've definitely reviewed it. What do we give it? I don't know. I wrote for this magazine. Something, <laughs> something favourable. Yeah, I think it's been, yeah, it's been it's quite well received. And it's still selling very well. It's been selling very well for a while now. Hmm. Um, apparently a lot of people like Gods and Kings. Who knew? There we go. Number seven is Skyrim. For yeah, pounds. Skyrim. Skyrim. I've, I'll talk about this later, but I've been binging on Skyrim yeah, recently. Yeah, me too. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> number six is Sleeping Dogs for 26.99. It's pre-order, um, which is the open world Hong Kong cinema action game, um, which um, Tom, I know you've played, but I don't know if you can talk about. Um, I played it months ago. I can probably talk about that. <laughs> I can reveal it has no dogs in it. Okay. I think. Uh, it doesn't have sleeping. Uh, yes, it does have sleeping. It has a brilliant thing where, you know, all protagonists in open world city games ever just go to sleep in their clothes. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're Nico or if you're away from Sleepy Dogs, uh, you know, you press sleep next to the bed, it saves your game, and he just, like, lies down on his back completely in a full, fully, a full suit, a full action suit, covered in blood. <laughs> and he just lies there, and then he, then he gets up the next morning, he's completely clean, and then walks out the door. So it's more like a nap, then? If, uh, like I mean, an to be honest, I, I do sit down on my bed fully clothed all the time and fall asleep. So it's not that unrealistic. Maybe I'm just a protectionist. You should, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> oh, no, you shouldn't. Hey, something cool about Sleeping Dogs pre-order is the TF2 items you get, oh, which yeah, are pretty yeah. damn cool. Mm. There's a thing for the heavy, which spouts out a ring of fire, which obviously can screw over spies. And there's a sign for the pyro, which if you smack people with it when they're wet, they get you get a critical hit. Nice. That's supposed to be on fire. Yeah, you burn them, get them in the water, so they unburn themselves. Then and then him. smack him on the head with a sign for, the, in, for uh, the win. <laughs> I, think, I think the logic is that it's like a neon sign that electrocutes yeah, them. Yeah, 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 I, would yeah. Guess that's, I would guess that's the, the internal logic. <laughs> but let's There's more interrogate that too yeah. much. Um, it, it looks awesome though. Yeah. I quite, yeah, I, I, I quite enjoy it. I, I found when I was playing it and I, um, I was driving around and I, I played all the, the story stuff they wanted me to play and then I was given the kind of the keys to the city a bit and I was just driving around. And I found that there's a mechanic where you can kind of grab people. Mm. And then if you grab people and take them over to your car, you can stuff them in the boot of the car yeah, to like true. kidnap them. And I, they may have fixed this now, but at the time, they're like pork bun salesmen that sell like buns by the side of the road to replenish your health, like the hot dog guys in Grand Theft Auto 4. Mm. And so I'd grab, and I found out that you can grab them, put them in the boot of your car, drive them around the city, take them out and buy buns from them. 
And if you get the angle right, you can also buy buns from the boot of your car at that point. And I think one of the PR guys, one of the marketing guys for Square Enix just sat behind me just looking at me. And I'm like, look, look, I'm doing donuts with a pork bun, man, screaming for help in the back of my car. And then I, I'd like get him out and like, look, I found this mobile health dispenser that I can drive around the city. And There's buns falling out of my boot yeah. all over the and place. And then I'd, like, I would take one pork bun salesman out. And I found out that if you tend to take him out of the back of the car, because he resets to his like selling pork buns AI, um, he kind of forgets that you've stuffed him in the boot of your car. So you can then set him up, if you reverse really carefully, next to another pork bun salesman in a different part of town. A small army start of pork like a little sales. pork bun oh department God. store. So that's what I did when I played Sleeping Dogs. This is a little inside view of that preview. Can <laughs> <laughs> I wrote. Um, you, once you grab it. someone by the scruff of the neck in that game, you can, uh, as far as I can tell, run with them infinitely. Yeah, you can yeah. Just take oh, them yeah, anyway. that's the great thing. It's like the infinite businessman run where you're like sprinting down the street, yeah, holding, holding a businessman. Holding a man like in his headlock. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, every time, every so often they protest and then you punch them and then you just like drag them, like kicking and screaming down the street. There again. seems to be a lot of driving involved. When I saw someone else playing it, they would just seem to be driving constantly. I didn't see anything else apart from driving. How much driving is it compared There's to walking? Quite a lot dragging? of driving. There's, um, no, about a similar amount to GTA and Venice there's a lot oh, okay. of driving in GTA yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. the main thing is that you know GTA uh, I just go everywhere by cab and the great thing is you can hail cabs by waving at them and whistling hmm. um, the sleeping dogs I couldn't find out, out a way to do that so I would get on a motorbike and then like blaze down the street looking for a cab and then like do a massive wheelie and crash into the front of them in order to stop them and then hire a, hire a ride from them <laughs> <laughs> wherever I needed to go like, that was my way of getting around that city it's quite a lot of driving the driving is kind of mental um, it's like super arcade and you've got like the shunt move there. yeah the shunt is how does that work uh, I don't know it's, yeah. it's really inexplicable you, can you press a button and your car just leaps sideways like sideways mm. uh, by about five meters and whatever you hit just spirals it flames off the road so it's got that going for it <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah I, I, I quite enjoy it anyway review in the next issue of PC Gamer cool number five is Borderlands 2 pre-order which is £30 best trailers ever very good trailers so they always win. had very good trailers That's actually true. Mm. um you know, the the first game had excellent choice of trailer music as well. Um, they know what they're doing, I think, with marketing that game and the way it looks. And I'm really yeah. excited about Borderlands 2, actually, because um, basically I just want Borderlands 1, uh, but without GameSpy. So it's just something I can actually play with my friends instead of just running yeah, into the horrible true. networking stuff. Uh, and like Borderlands, I really enjoyed, but I uh, had huge problems connecting to people. And it looks like they're going to fix that stuff because they've got that love letter, clap Claptrap. Claptrap's love letter to the PC, which is um, about how they fixed the netcode and all that shit. Like it wasn't. It wasn't just the netcode. Like the actual interface and stuff was totally. Cap. Yeah. Was. But <laughs> you could you could mod that part of it, but it was still rubbish. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as you say, they've made a massive deal out of doing it right this time. Yeah. Awesome. It's gonna be very cool. I kind of hope they maybe reduce the amount of busy. I just remember like um, Borderlands One being loads of busy work. Like mm -hmm. finding myself constantly busy with inventory and. Mm. and kind of stuff and I, I like, found it so hard to compare guns yeah something uh, like that like, is this gun really better than my gun I need to do some arithmetic yeah. to work this out because mm. it's flame damage plus the number of bullets five yeah. per second and that kind of stuff and that's kind of gets to the way when your friends are saying come on Tom come on let's go let's go let's kill some, I, we used to play picks. it gather up all the guns from you know whatever section we were doing then when we were breaking off for the night mm. we used to chuck them all in a massive pile on the floor and everyone would just kind of look around and assess and see what would be better, best for them okay, and that still. worked better than because as you say, if you stop and start all the time, it just yeah, gets boring. Yeah, as with all um, games of that, like Diablo suffers in the same sort of like, need to go to the shop yeah. Yeah. problem. Um, number four is Orcs Must Die 2 for 12 quid, um, which I believe Tom Francis has reviewed for us. I played a bit of co-op with him, um, which I enjoyed. Co-op yep. makes a lot of sense to that game. Yeah, it um, makes a huge amount of sense. Very nicely. Have you played it, Tom? I have played it quite a lot um, in co-op as well. 
and it's really really awesome yeah uh, if you like to walk to side one it gives you just enough new toys and sorceress is really fun to play with because her default weapon is amazing she's mm. got this wand uh, has like three fire modes you can do a rapid fire kind of pew 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 with spells or you can kind of uh, charge it up and go, just go uh, and that causes orcs to explode once instantly and if you charge it up even more it goes <laughs> like Sorry, that what were those three noises massive, again Tom? Massive, uh, no I can't do this again <laughs> you can I mean, sample them and then we can turn them into something okay, later fine. Um, uh, I believe it's pew 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 and <laughs> Uh, that third one is awesome because it has a, does massive splash damage. Um, but on your right click, you can just instantly charm an enemy and turn them mm. against the, the horde. And you can so you can pick out the biggest, like most monstrous orc or a giant rock monster, like lurking at the back, kind of dragging over the rear, and just like go ping, and uh, you charm him, and then he starts attacking people around him. What's That's your favorite something. trap in the game? Uh, I like the acid trap, which is actually the. Um, Sorceress's default trap that the bloke doesn't get. Oh, okay. Um, and that's just, it's just really damaging. What about you, Chris? What's your favourite? Um, I've only played a little bit, and it was a sorceress. I really like the thing you can plant on the ceiling that allows you to drop boulders on people. Mm. I don't know if that was in the original. I can't remember. No, I can't remember but it's, it's cool because it's active, so you get some time when you use it. Yeah, you shoot it, don't you? Uh, and it kind of drops. Quite, yeah, it's you shoot it and, and drops boulders on everyone, so that's pretty satisfying. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I like dwarves. Dwarves are... I'm not convinced how good they are, but <laughs> I love dwarves. Yeah. I ended up buying dwarves. I was playing with Martin and he kind of, the dwarves are useless. And then <laughs> right at the back of the level, just by the gate, I just filled it with dwarves. He didn't know. They, they, they didn't get Oh, there. and have you filled this with dwarves? <laughs> no. no. Of Someone yeah. else did it. Archers, Actually, Archers I hit the dwarf cool limit. Well. There's a dwarf, there's a dwarf event horizon. You can, <laughs> the dwarf cap. <laughs> there is a dwarf cap in that game and I've hit it, yeah. sadly. I find that, you know, if I'm playing co-op, or maybe it was playing co-op with Tom, but it got quite kind of, like, really scarily efficient really quickly. Mm. To the point, mm. like, who's looking after the bottom? Who's like, okay, you've got the bottom. Oh, God, you weren't checking the bottom, were you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not filling, filling this cauldron full of dwarves, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can I take one of these barrels? No, I need them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's people taking coins for your kills as well. Oh, like, if you drop uh, big enemies, they drop big coins, and mm. then you use to supply more traps. <laughs> Number three. Is the Fallout collection, which is Fallout 1, 2, and Tactics, for £5.43 on Steam, which I didn't realise was going to on Steam. Maybe they've only just arrived. Hmm, I'll explain. How good are they, then, in order? What's the, what's the goodest? Uh, I Fallout 2, probably. Isn't it, isn't it 2, 1, Tactics? Yeah, isn't Tactics that, is definitely you safe, safe opinion that's not going to make people angry hate me on the internet? Yeah, I think that's, um, right. that's, that's basically right. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think purists would say the only Fallout games, but they're being purists about it. Um mm. The, um, yeah, no, they're all good and, I mean, obviously showing their age a little bit in some ways, but to be honest, like in terms of how hmm. interesting their ideas are and the kind of crazy situations and stuff and the, the kind of the very adventurous writing. Got awesome cities. Yeah. like Wicked cities. Like, full, um, of, full of They've definitely not been, stuff. probably not really been matched since for just crazy nonsense you end up doing to people. Awesome dark humour. Yeah, yeah, really awesome. It's Fallout, innit? It's Fallout, innit? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Good work, Tom. Um, number two is Armour 2 Combined Operations for £25. People really like them zombies. I wonder if that's going to drop mm. down now that they've announced the standalone I was thinking version. that. Yeah. See, in my head now, I know the standalone, and we kind of knew it was coming out anyway, mm. but I'm definitely not going to waste an evening attempting to play that now. Mm. Just wait until I can't be. I can't be bothered. It <laughs> upsets me. I feel... I feel absolutely drained you if I throw I've, up in your mouth. I've spent, <laughs> if, I, if, you, if you spend a couple of hours trying to do something and you don't end up succeeding... It's such a downer. Mm, yeah. I think I always just end True up down. playing something else for you know ten minutes before going to bed, just so I feel like I haven't. I've had a little bit of fun, a little bit of fun time. Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily will drop down because if some if there's a big buzz about something, it will people will want to play it and will pay to get access mm. to it. Yeah. 
Um, there's, you know, I, I don't necessarily think people will go, oh, wait, because God knows when DayZ, the game, is going to come, come out. out. And they're still updating the mod version as well, and they still will be. Finally, number one, this might be a good segue for you, Tom, is Skyrim Dawnguard for £14. Suddenly, is, suddenly released. Yeah, which is no <laughs> warning. <laughs> exactly. They've, they've, Skyrim is doing so well, they don't really care about announcing it's their expansions now. Just, just do it. Yeah, Here it is, guys, it. which is kind of refreshing in a way. Hmm. Um, it would be nice to get it at the same time the Xbox guys did, but it's there now, and we get to play it, and it's quite good, as far you as I can tell so far. What have you been doing in there, Tom? Um, got an armoured troll, put down 500 gold, got me troll uh he's smaller slightly smaller than i imagined that's disappointing which is slightly disappointing but you can have them at the same time as a follower okay which mm. is awesome so mm. you can have your uh, i've got my tooled up kind of kajit mage follower with this awesome magic mask that makes him look completely terrifying and an armor troll which is even more terrifying is he polite uh no he doesn't speak very much oh. if you leave him alone for too long they just wander off into the woods uh so you have to be careful you have to kind of a bit of troll management is required to keep them happy um <laughs> You can buy a new one, though, if you... If yeah, you you always, there's always more. There's always more. <laughs> they're, they're in a little pen in Dawnguard Castle, and, you know, there's kind of milling around in the, in the, in the dark. Oh. This guy traps them, uh, and they're awesome. And uh, crossbows are brilliant so far. What about you, Chris? What have you been doing there? I haven't actually played Dawnguard yet. I've been playing loads of Skyrim, um, partly to get ready for Dawnguard, but I'd never finished the main quest, um, so I'm going to try and get through to that. I, I think I'm very close to the end now, although I just got to a bit of the main quest where I had basically what amounted to a really boring meeting. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, I heard you say this. Yeah, you say it was so boring. I just turned it off. Well, the thing is, I'm quite jet lagged at the moment. That's going to be a factor, and probably worth worth. That's a disclaimer for this entire podcast, actually. Um, but I was got to this point, and I'd kind of built myself, you know, a big new set of armor and big into crafting, and I kind of went up to this big meeting. You know, I'm, I won't say anything about the plot, but you know, there I am, bloody dragonborn, everyone. Hello, um, you know, taking minutes <laughs> at this meeting, and because you know, things Skyrim doesn't do well acting. Like even the good actors in it look bad because of the way the hmm. face animation works and because of the way the especially the movement of NPCs if they're trying to move around during a conversation. Yeah. It's like a Jerry Anderson like TV show. Um and it's just not designed for like people fluidly moving from one place to another while having a conversation. Like it's super clunky. Like people walk into a room, stand stock still at the point they've been told to start stare at the person they're about to talk to, then start talking. And the beginning of this meeting is a really bad example of that because the trigger for it and the kind of the obvious move this is long now player is you know dragonborn take your seat take your seat dragonborn dragonborn take your seat dragonborn your seat your seat dragonborn we're waiting for you dragonborn dragonborn I'd, I'd take your just, seat i'd walked the hell out right yeah, there. exactly like um, and you know dragonborn stop stealing all the cheese dragonborn dragonborn you knocked a plate over get dragonborn. off the table dragonborn get off the table dragonborn off the table yeah. off off <laughs> It's the corner. Water bowl's over there. Yeah. Dragonborn. Take your seat, Dragonborn. Dragonborn. Take. So eventually, and I couldn't figure out which chair was mine. <laughs> so I'm walking around this massive table. Around the seat, and there's a, there's a big important NPC in front of oh, every... Awkward. Yeah, I know. There's a big important NPC in front of every chair, right? Uh, like, and, and so I'm walking around kind of going, is this one mine? And I sat in the wrong one and no, nothing happened. So what, I just sort of quickly stood back up again. And I walked around the table and I could see that, okay, there is one that's sort of free over there. There's another NPC standing near it, but I could see the other chair that I might go to. And it is kind of the head of the table. So from there, I would be able to see everyone. And undoubtedly, the designers will want me to see everyone. Mm. So that's probably my chair. So this is this, this guy going, Dragonborn, take your seat, Dragonborn. Well, the Dragonborn kind of shuffles around this table awkwardly, like <laughs> waiting for someone to tell him where to sit. Nobody tells him. Everyone. And so eventually I do take the seat and it turns into the most bloody boring meeting about exciting things, you know, dragon threat and all the rest of it. But I mean, just like, 
We would like this to ha- well, we would like this, uh, like how is the the monthly report going? Like, duh, 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 and then someone gets up to make a speech, and it takes them five minutes to stand up, and they walk along and give them the speech. And then the, and then the best bit there was when I sat down, and and they go good. Then we shall begin. And all the NPCs awkwardly take their seats at exactly the same time because they're programmed to kind of just go a point. And that weird Skyrim animation where people kind of sidle into their seats sideways by like swinging their shoulders around. Like, <laughs> sorry, I've just I've just done that mime for the for the for the studio and the studio only. But um, yeah, and it was like the tone of this this moment has gone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, if you're going to say something for games that script that stuff a little bit more tightly, like you know, Mass Effect or whatever. When there's a big dramatic meeting around the war table in Mass Effect, you really feel it, especially yeah, Mass Effect Three, yeah. and they have these, you know, like, you know, slam fists on tables and kind of real, you know, emotion rather than like, <laughs> like sock puppet things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and eventually, basically, I made a bunch of decisions in that meeting that I didn't really know what they'd entail, and I realized I'd made all of the ones I didn't want to make. Oh no! So I loaded a quick save. You did it all over, and again. then I couldn't face doing it again, <sighs> even though now I did know where my seat was, so I quit. <laughs> And wow. I st- <laughs> and that this was is my- like in Lord of the Rings, where um, <laughs> the Council of Elrond, but it, yeah, it, Aragorn it, it, is walking around and around the circle. <laughs> sit down, Aragorn. Out. Sit down. Take sit your down. seat, Aragorn. 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 <laughs> no one telling telling where to sit. And he yeah. just freaks out. Just tell me which one it is. Yeah. Uh, this is like Lord of the Rings is obviously a great story, but it has extraordinarily slow moments. And mm. and the meeting where they decide what to do with the Fellowship when they get to Rivendell is one of the most boring things. Yeah. Like there's so many people sitting around that table, and they all introduce themselves, not just themselves, but their entire ancestry it's like yeah. I am such and such son of such and such yeah. it's like if you're going to borrow from Lord of the Rings just don't borrow that bit yeah <laughs> there I, are can better see, I can see what people want to do because I can definitely see I, I love you know just dialogue quests in games where it is just you know a cool like a negotiation or whatever yeah, that's cool. and that's potentially what this is and, and you know it is all about like you know someone says to you like remember having the voice of the dragon is more than power dragonborn you know you're also very influential and that, that's, that's a cool and like let's see that in action let's show that rather than just tell me that but they show me that by like you know you'll be You'll be sat there. Go and get the tea, Dragonborn. <laughs> We're not a sugar, Dragonborn. Come yeah. on. Come on now. <laughs> you know, like, look at my slideshow, Dragonborn. Um, and uh, that, it was just, it's just, unfortunately, Bethesda Games just still can't quite do that thing that Mass Effect mm-hmm. can do really well or whatever, which is that really pacey dialogue, snappy thing where people are talking to each other and responding rather yeah. than talking over each other in some cases in Skyrim because the dialogue triggers have come in the wrong order. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But, um, one, one day, Chris, one day. One day I will get to have an <laughs> argument in Skyrim. Um, you've been playing at Skyrim, Tom. Tell me what we've been playing. Um, I've been doing a bit of Dawnguard to see what's up there, but mostly I've been trying to get rid of my mace. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is great. Which is, it's the most evil weapon in the game, as in it's just a, it's a, it's a mace, it's embodiment of pure evil. It's the mace of Malak Bol, uh, who's a Daedric prince of some sort, uh, and he wants souls. And every time you hit something with a mace, it steals their soul. If you've got a soul gem large enough to contain it. Um, the thing is, it's more powerful than anything else I've picked up. And I just hate it <laughs> because uh, <laughs> it's huge, spiky, and it has this evil face carved into it that or is always looking at you because it takes up a third of your vision at all at all times if you've got it out. So you, it's just it's earing, this leering evil skull face that is glaring at you. Um, but the trouble is, it's so good I can't bring myself to leave it anywhere. So like, I just I threw it on the floor and then just like tried equipping a different weapon. And I just had to go back. I went back and I, I found it. I picked it back up and I was like, no, not that bloody face again. And there it is, just raising <laughs> up into your vision. I like, no, I've got to get rid of it. But um, I couldn't. And it's basically turned my character into just a horrendously evil character. Uh, there's, there's a time when, I can't remember the first time I did this, when I just 
it needs souls to be to be at maximum power. Where I just I went over and killed an innocent animal just because it needed souls and I needed to power <laughs> oh it up. Oh my god! So, it's actually uh, made you evil in real life. I know. I actually it, it is. It has made me evil because I, I was uh, approaching Rift and I just saw a deer. I was like, oh, my mace is a bit undercharged. I didn't. I didn't think I can't kill that poor deer. I thought mace needs needs a soul. Deers have souls. Deers have souls. Could you use this deer? And he tried to run a bit, and then he ran into a rock and kind of glitched halfway into it, and then I hit him. And then there's this kind of sound when it sucks their soul out of the body, and you see it going into the mace, and it kind of glows green and looks really happy. Get this radiate smugness. How do you use up those souls by smashing? Yeah, you smash dudes, and it kind of after a hundred charges or whatever, it runs out, and then you have to get it more souls. But now I just I just need to I get it. I just need to get rid of it. I need, I need to, I'm staging an intervention with myself. I need to stop using this thing. So I'm trying to think of the best way to do it, really. And, you know, I thought about throwing it off the top of uh, the Throat of the World, which is the highest point in Skyrim. But oh, what if, you, what if you kind of switched weapons with a guard or something by pickpocketing them? They'd have to use it. To then you, could, you could follow them, and they might end up chasing down souls like you were. They might become evil. Yeah. Like me, but I, I, I'm not sure. I, like, I want to get rid of it safely. That's the thing. But basically, I, this is I, I need to find my Mount Doom in Skyrim. <laughs> that's what I, that's what needs to happen. I need to find <laughs> somewhere where I can throw this thing and it's going to disappear and it's not going to hurt anyone and there's not it's not going to steal any more deer souls. I just need to find mm. a way to dispose of it. But if I throw it off the throat of the world, it could land anywhere. And the thing is, in Skyrim, they've got that AI that causes people to just pick things up in the street and you know they'll ask you if you want it and then they'll just keep it. So if I just throw it off this top mm. of this mountain, someone's going to pick it up and they're and they're going to be becoming evil and they're going to have the evil mace so i, I need to uh, i just need a place in skyrim to get rid of it but so i'm thinking maybe there's a place called Blackreach, which is uh deep deep under skyrim it's the biggest underground location it's an extraordinary underground cave uh absolutely beautiful but no one goes down there <laughs> um it's full of very strange deranged people and a few falmer goblins and things i think if i could sort of drop it into one of those dark pools in there mm. it might disappear forever so but, but yeah i've been having this di- dilemma for the last 50 hours in skyrim <laughs> so i picked up i picked up this mace within the first like uh, within the first 20 hours i think that, that when i started playing skyrim i just um i played like an idiot uh, i was just like so delighted and happy I, i'm playing an argonian so i was just this silly lizard running around I'd, I'd run on top of tables and kick things off and but skyrim remembers that's the thing. it remembers where all those objects are mm. so everywhere I, I, I walk into the like the king's hall and everything's a mess because 25 hours ago i got up on that table <laughs> and that's kicked amazing. everything off it and i'm, I'm and i take skyrim really really seriously now because i'm so invested in it but i always i, I was constantly wandering around this world scarred by my own stupidity <laughs> and the mace is really a symptom of that because i would never normally like the the, qu- the question you get is ridiculous it's, it asks you to trap an innocent man in a, an evil cage and beat him to death with the mace in order to feed it. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that, whatever. <laughs> because that's how I played Skyrim then. And I've completely changed now. I just, I, I just don't want any part of it. Hmm. Uh, so now I've, I feel quite bad about myself, but I can't stop playing it. It's absolutely amazing. It is, yeah. Um, what have you been playing? I've been playing a bit of The Walking Dead, ah. which is... Uh, Evan loves it as well on mm. PC. Well, I don't... I, I do kind of love it. But I oh, read... Okay. On holiday, I read lots of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And I started playing the game, and I was enjoying it. I didn't think it was amazing at the start. But as soon as I started encountering some of the characters, which mm. I had kind of read about in the book, and I knew, like, I know the character's future from the book, yeah. but I'm meeting him like much earlier than I, I met him in the book, if you know what I mean. It's pretty awesome, because it's very consistent with, you know, what these people turn into and what they become and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I originally was thinking, why is everyone having a, making a big deal out of this? Because... It seemed super linear, and all the stuff people had been saying about the long-term effects didn't really twig. But all of a sudden, 
like I said, you, you visit one location and meet some people, and it just kicks into gear, and mm. it's like all of a sudden everything has got. You're an talking impact. about the farm, in the first yeah, one. yeah, the farm. That's yeah, yeah, really that was awesome. Like, and and that's you know that's in the books as well, and it's got massive significance in the book. But you, the cool thing in the book hasn't happened yet, yeah. so you're like, oh, that's so cool, that's going to happen. But yeah, I um I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's quite pricey. Um, I, I got. It's something like 20 quid for the whole season, which is five episodes. Mm. Each episode's about two or three hours, I think. I guess it's not, not that bad. Too I mean, bad I got it in the Steam sale really. for 12 quid for the whole thing. But yeah, yeah. Do you find it frustrating not being able to continue, like, to having to wait for the next episode? Yeah, that really does do my head in, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm going to be kind of excited when the next one comes out. And I jumped into it when there were two available, so it wasn't yeah. quite as bad. Mm, fair but it does seem weird, that kind of, um, that way of consuming media is weird because like I'm not even used to a TV series anymore like yeah. with TV stuff I just wait for the the DVD or for someone mm. to give me the entire season um, I can't quite hack watching it every every kind of week I really like it I mean I, I, I played each of the episodes in, in one sitting I mean, I mean separate sittings but yeah. like every time I sat down with Walking Dead I played a whole episode start yeah. to finish yeah. which I think is definitely the way to do it that's nice um, mm. because you, you remember who everyone is and what all the tensions are and you're you know you're actively worried about stuff and it's mm-hmm. definitely paced like that um but um, but when I finished the second one, I was like, I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. But I quite glad that I can move on now. And like, yeah. that yeah, I was, I haven't, yeah. I haven't been sat down with a 40 hour RPG that I feel like I need to keep pushing through before because I'll forget who people are. Mm. It's just like I played another mm. two hours of this, and I trust that next time it will have a previously on Walking Dead and it will fill me in. Yeah. And I remember enough. You know, I'm I'm really I mean, having not read the books, mm. I read you know parts of the first couple of I've read the first couple of issues and not seen the TV series kind of come into a blind I've been really really impressed with it and it's super linear and it's like we said on a previous podcast like it's created this kind of legion of quick time apologists mm. and I think mm. the reason it gets away with it is because they are all meaningful and it will throw you into a quick time event whenever it bloody well likes mm. like if it wants to turn a dialogue a dialogue between two characters that you're controlling just the dialogue options into suddenly a fight for your life it will do that if yeah. it wants to yeah. okay. and that's really cool like because it means that you can never not be paying attention like you can never just sit back and mm. press the buttons for your dialogue because really genuinely it will pull the rug out from under you and you'll be like grabbing the keyboard trying to figure out oh god oh shit sorry and then when you fail it's so good because it remembers <laughs> it and wasn't. you know if you don't say something or whatever it's it's Cool. It's, it's so much better than like Telltale's last thing like Back yeah. to the Future sucked so bad I was so disappointed like after I got the end of the first episode of that I was just I was just sad the best bit of that whole game was seeing the glory at the start mm. that was it didn't like it there's um, I mean I think both episodes of Walking Dead have had moments where you get glimpses of the adventure game thing I mentioned it kind of earlier with mm. walking around looking for a plank both of, both of them have had moments where I know what I wanted to do but the item I needed to do it was in a different part of like the they just artificially lengthen it. Why is that in there? Because it's it, it's lame. It's just lame. There's no no one enjoys that bit, do they? Well, it, it may. I don't know. It, it's not so much that. It's the the way in which the kind of it's structured so that there's a bit in the first episode where you can go to a certain place at any time when you're in a, a hub area, hmm. and people are like, "Do you want to go yet? Do you want to go yet? Do you want to yeah, go yet?" Yeah, yeah. And you'll you'll know what I'm referring to. And um, you know, stuff you get there and stuff you do there is kind of really essential when you eventually go back to the hub area. Okay. But it's not necessarily clear that that'll be the case. So mm. if you haven't done anything in the hub area before you leave the first time, you kind of feel like, I don't want to go yet, I haven't done everything. Uh, yeah. Even though you won't be able to do everything because you need to do the other thing first. And that moment when I originally went, sure, let's go, I felt like I was abandoning a whole bunch of the game. And right. I got really pissed off at it because I felt like, oh, yeah. I've just abandoned this whole storyline or this whole puzzle because I'm going off to do this thing now. And when I actually came back and could then do that stuff, I was like, oh, okay, but really it shouldn't have put me in that situation. It should have yeah. made it really yeah. clear that, you know, you can't do that now. 
It was just it's just wonky design. It rarely makes sense. I've had super similar moments to that. I've had bits where kind of a guy is asking something significant and I try to answer him with what's in my head, but it's actually misinterpreted. And then I'm like, oh, does he think I think this? So I restarted it, made the other dialogue choice and it didn't affect anything anyway. <laughs> but the fact that it made me think, oh, I've I've kind of broken my own little narrative in here. Yeah. It kind of annoys me. So it was one moment I thought was really interesting in the second episode and I've seen people comment on it. So maybe it's struck with a few people where a character... Um, basically accuses you of being against them who you can quite easily assume you were siding with in the first episode. Mm. Um, and I realized after a while that it's not actually that the game has forgotten what I did. It's just that that character is interpreted differently to me. And that's a really cool thing that like a lot of games don't do. Yeah. Like, Mass yeah. Effect does this thing where if you side with a character in an argument, they're probably your best friend for life then. And they will always remember that you had their back. And it's kind of unambiguous. Yeah. Whereas in this particular case, that guy kind of interprets your support kind of differently. Yeah. And it's just yeah. really interestingly written. And that that's interesting that they've... I, I was like, no, that's not what I said. I didn't mean that, but I meant that in character. Like, that's how I felt in character, yeah. right? That yeah. this guy's just been an asshole about something I did because he's an asshole, not because the game is broken. <laughs> See, that's, that, that's, that feels like progress. I had that, and that was what was so consistent with this character in the books as well, and that's what was awesome about ah. it because he read some of my decisions exactly as he should have kind of read them. Mm. And that kind of disconnect of like, oh, I'm playing a game and he should therefore accept what I th said and him, you know, my knowledge of the actual books coming into it was just awesome. Yeah. That's why I thought this game's awesome. That was it's the super moment. smart. Hmm. Cool. We're going to yeah. come against time a little bit, gents. So let's move on to questions from Twitter. Okay. We will move at a pace. Khalid Al-Hassani asks, do you think Dishonored will live up to what it promises in the trailers? Uh... Tom, Tom seems quite excited about it, doesn't he? Seems very, he? very excited about he's it. He's managed to get his hands on good. it. Yeah, he Sounds texted Graham good. yesterday to say how excited he was about it. Uh, yeah, I actually think it will. Yeah, um, it looks like it will. I'm right. super, super excited. Yeah, it's my definitely. most anticipated game um, of the year. In another Tom Francis-related question, Finley Costello asks, does Tom Francis ever bake bread for you guys, or does he just post photos of it to taunt you? He, <laughs> he did. He did. Were you here when he brought some in? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, you brought in bread. kind of cheesy bread. Yeah, it's good. And it was it was awesome. It was all crunchy on the outside, smooth on the inside. Well done, Tom. Keep <laughs> it, it was up. An armadillo. Dude, yeah, dude. <laughs> it was more more cheesy bread, please. Dude knows how to make bread. Another good bread baker is uh, Martin Davis, uh, regular oh, freelancer yeah. for PC Gamer. He's a good breaker. He went on a course, bread. and he is is also doing of a mention in this bread discussion. He just brought some bread past mm. the other the other week. Didn't he, he made he made that some absolutely bread. cracking bread the other day. <laughs> that that made my day. Bread makers of game journalism there for you. Uh, Kieran Loftus asks, how do you think the free-to-play model for Planetside 2 will work? They've kind of discussed this. It's going to be... I mean, they're, they're talking about side grades. Like, there won't be anything kind of big gameplay advantage. And probably loads of customization stuff like decals and, like, hmm. stuff like that. Do you think that I'll... So, I was talking about Richard about this. Well, briefly we'll say this. Okay, so, in the old one, you had to play loads to get to fly the awesome stuff, for example. That's correct, Chris? Yep. In this, are they still going to make you play stuff lots, or can I just pay to be a... Um, well, it works differently because it's got an Eve-style skill system. Oh, okay. So, which is so it is real-time. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, also, cool. they, I think they've, there's no pilot profession. I think piloting is just skill-based. And I think you maybe unlock things you can add to your... Like, if you want, like, this particular gun on your ship or whatever, then you have to... You know, uh, and they'll save up skill points or something. I think probably okay. for that. But the actual default piloting skills, I think, are available for everyone from the day one. Don't quote me on that because I'm not playing the game. But um, that's, I think, how it's going to work. I think, you know, I'm I'm probably planning on like leveling up engineer skills to support the fact that oh, I want to be a pilot, but mm -hmm. I won't. 
probably be pumping skill points. Into I just think maybe they'd be worried that this free to play, if people jump into it and they are not that meaty or whatever for the first ten hours, that's going to really <laughs> piss them off. Yeah, I mean, I guess well, you can pay to be meatier, as in life. Um, but yeah. there's um, like, I mean, I, I one thing I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Again, this is not based on any insider information; it's just a, a theory. Is paying to speed up that process because they're saying that totally. the, the the power difference between a a top level player and a, a, a newbie will, will not be that much different than the difference between someone in Battlefield who's got all of the unlocks and someone mm. who doesn't. And actually, in Battlefield, that's quite a substantial difference. Um, but I can kind of, you know, they sell all of the Maybe TF2 will be a better comparison where it's more evenly, Possibly. evenly done. But, you know, I think they're probably going for that kind of. It's not like, you know, it's not going to be you can't kill this guy because you're, he's 20 levels above you. It's just he's yeah. got more options than you. They're not going to lock off classes and stuff. No. no. Uh, or, I mean, it'll be, you know, it'll be upgrades. It mm. won't be. You know, raw power. It's not like Plants Like One either, where all the gunfights are maths based. So, you know, and there's that kind of underlying dice roll. I think they're not doing that either. Okay. Matt asks recently started playing Metro 2033 again. Wondered what you think, thought of the first one and thoughts for First Light. He means Last Light. Uh, <laughs> first Light was it's not a game. But um, I love Metro 2033. I, I like it. Um, I think it has some of the most uh, detailed and amazing kind of city places underground that you'll find in any game. Just wondering through the settlements that have developed underground. So the idea is humanity has been pushed into the tunnels after a, a freak, a horrendous apocalyptic event mm. that's uh, caused loads of demons or something to take it's over the nuclear overworld. nuclear war. Nuclear war, okay. Well, um, and now there's giant dogs roaming the surface. Yeah, mutants and things. Uh, yeah, and mutant stuff. Uh, so everyone's crowded into these tunnels and kind of eked out an existence there. And just wandering around those, everyone is talking and chattering and they're, they're all kind of discussing things in Russian and it just mm. feels like such a, an amazing place. Um, that bit's amazing. And for me, the shooting felt kind of tough. And I really loved the guns. Enemies were really, really stupid, mm. <laughs> and it was full of really tight corridors. And it felt a bit like Doom at the points. Um, so yeah, it, felt, felt, it feels like they need more interesting set pieces and mm. things that call, uh, more interesting enemies. Really, um, um, I've seen Last Light, um, and it's beautiful. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen a huge amount of the kind of free roaming stuff, but it looks stunning and. Um, it seems to keep a lot of the original's atmosphere certainly like the outdoor awesome. stuff I thought was amazing they've moved the season on a bit so there's a bit of green and it's kind yeah. of like mm. it's awesome I actually really love the guns in the original Metro it's my favourite thing about it the because they were right. all weird like you had to pump some of them you had to like you know you had to like you, they had like a pressure gauge and you had to like spend some time outside of combat just like literally pumping your gun up so that you had enough air pressure and the canister yeah. to fire oh, wow. it you fired like uh, you, you couldn't pick up a gun in that game and just used it you had to think about it and that I really liked because bullets are currency cool. as well so uh, yeah, yeah. you're shooting money <laughs> yeah you're, um, every time you fire your gun you're shooting money um, Paul Scott Canavan asks which game current or upcoming would benefit most from the inclusion of hats uh, Plant Side 2 yeah hats on top of your helmet <laughs> yeah that's I'm going to say I'm going to say Eve for spaceships just I want I want a hat like on a, the massive, oh, yeah. a massive top massive cruiser hat on a spaceship like an enormous <laughs> trilby hat. oh a trilby yeah. <laughs> I don't really mean that Eve fans I'm sorry <laughs> Dishonored has some terrifying hats like some screenshots they released of a, a crazy party kind of environment where people dressed as like oh, it's just deeply weird <laughs> we'll, we'll leave the links in the uh, post to that one and freak yourself out get yep. a look at them excellent scary hats uh, who is this man Chegway B asks is there any benefit in spending more money on a monitor other than it being bigger yes uh, if, if you if yeah because you need you want a decent refresh rate don't you although yeah. it's hard to buy one without with a crap refresh rate um, colour depth is another big thing like yeah. monitors that can do um, like like really deep dark blacks blacks and things really yeah, well it's really uh, hard to find I really like I've got an Ilyama 
something something 24 inch monitor at home that I really really like for that I remember what so I've peaceful colour there's an awesome monitor in this month's PCG the one with World of Warplay and Sound Tanks on the cover it's like 120 30 quid 130 quid maybe like a Viewsonic one yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be badass yeah 90% Adam gave it good awesome. plug mm. uh, Matthew asks has Graham begun looking at military tactics for Planetside 2 yet I don't think Graham would necessarily be that big on military tactics. I think Rich has already. He's, he's planning on flying a Reaper round, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Rich is, I think Rich is more into the, the lone wolf. I can't um, see being a sniper or a jet pilot thing. Being the kind of big, uh, the, the general figure who tells everyone where to go and what to he's do. He's like that in every game. He'll probably just show up at the start of the, the battle, tell everyone to have fun and be nice to each other. <laughs> and then yeah. jump into a car and yeah. <laughs> drive off, off to a nice mountain top yeah. and kind of look out and go, war is beautiful. Uh, yeah. That's what I do. I don't know. Yeah, our, our outfit, our planet side outfit, which is you can find that on the forum. Um, I've already started like planning their spec ops groups and their <laughs> awesome you know, frontline stuff. That is awesome. I think I think the community has got that down for us. I don't think we. I don't think we're the people you want yeah, cool. leading you into battle necessarily. Yeah, that's we will get distracted or scared. If you're happy to have us along as a kind of lunatic <laughs> unit, <laughs> then we can, we'll be happy to jump in and yeah, be that. We're, we're not we're not figures to look up to in the <laughs> battle <laughs> necessarily. We get you know we're easily startled. Um, Alexander Cook asks, hope it isn't too late, but what are your thoughts on Rage? I thought it was appalling and wondered if all thought the same. I thought it was disappointing. Was yeah, it appalling? appalling is strong. Mm-hmm. Um, it sold itself as a very different thing to what it actually was. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't really op- that open world at all, and it was actually a sequence of instanced, quite narrow dungeon shooters yeah. um, chained together by this pretense of an open world that didn't really exist. And, yeah, it felt like the tech, a lot of the tech stuff they were trying to do with that never worked which just didn't work when it was released as well and yeah obviously that's appalling <laughs> it just didn't mm. straight straight it just didn't work very well the, the driver's port was awful it was glitchy and horrible it took ages to fix that and even then the shooting lacked something like that they Carmack was talking about this pursuit of 60 frames per second all the time to kind of make sure those guns feel great and in the end they just kind of didn't huh. <laughs> um, I agree with that as well I think we, met, we were very different tasting guns but I, li- I like the I, th- I don't know I kind of remember getting headshots on those guys when they were vaulting all the stuff was pretty yeah. satisfying that's the, what I mean like the sense of momentum and power in the guns mm. looked great but. yeah they, they made loud noises but it's what the enemy's reactions were very canned like mm. they, like it's, it's got loads of it got, it's, it's got loads of like set animations that it does <laughs> you're growing over there I, just really, like, I, just, like, I remember um, writing about it for, for different ages ago and, and the one thing I pulled out that I really loved about Rage yeah. was the moment where you could kind of like pull off a twitch shotgun blaster like a charging mutant or something and they would tumble kind of spectacularly in this really dynamic way and you might be right now that I think about it that there's, there's no phys- there's not physics or ragdoll but, um, at all I really, uh, I, but I mean functionally though, I remember being really impressed by that whereas everything else in the game kind of annoyed me but mm. maybe maybe it's weird that sense no. of sense of feel to like the way guns work the way guns mm. feel in the game is is really important to the way like it's the core of that yeah like, it's the core of rage and there was no kind of there's only procedure about those fights like you, you shot a, a, a guy dead he would play his animation they were very it was very very well animated i think mm. but there was no sense that you know i could blow a barrel and the same guys fling, flinging across the place that um and there's no sense, sense that i get something similar for battlefield where you know i can blow, blow up a jeep and it'll flip over and it'll kill someone and they'll go flying and it doesn't have that sense of chaos and sense of you know energy to fights that physics the proper physics system will give you the early tech issues were a bit sad when they drum yeah, the texture stuff it was especially sad because it was like carmack and it's like, oh, you can you know that he'd be the one who's most upset about this yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, so it Whenever felt really you fir- sad. when you first put your Oculus Rift on, hmm. spin yeah. around really quickly and see how fast the textures look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then throw up. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because they're, they're mega, they made such a big deal out of mega textures. 
Yeah. And then for the textures to fail so badly, yeah. it was actually, it, mm. was, it was tragic, really. I think my, my thing is, I would have happily played Rage as just a corridor shooter yeah. um, without yeah. all the rest so. of the trappings. So I thought the things that didn't work were the open world, the story, the racing, the card battling. Um, you know, I, I quite like the co-op, actually, which was like just the combat, but with the, with the scoring mechanic. Oh, yeah. And that was quite good fun. Um, but I just felt like... If, if it was it was weird because it, you know it's an id game and everyone's really excited when id make another shooter and the things yeah. that were good about it were the things that id are good at which is like monsters that go blag and shotguns that go bang yeah and, good shotguns and um and all the things they tried that were new felt like a bit like a tech demo like it was like hey this engine will also support your card battling game if you choose <laughs> to make it or you can make a buggy racer on this and it's like yeah but, but I liked the um the wing nut thing yes actually yeah. best boomerang that was really good cool. uh, yeah that was great that was really satisfying because that would um, sticking to people and send them flying stuff. Yeah. Let's have a look. I'll skip ahead a few. Any good SimCity likes? I've had enough of killing, says Dusty Gherkin. Dusty Gherkin doesn't Dusty want Gherkin to kill a, anymore. <laughs> Dusty Gherkin is tired of killing. Dusty Gherkin mm. is a good name for yeah. post-apocalyptic wasteland warrior. No, sadly, there aren't that many good. Uh, uh, Cities XL is, is I was going right. to suggest Anno 2017, mm, which is maybe. good. I reviewed it, and, and um, it's got issues. I, th- I don't think it takes anywhere near enough advantage of the fact that it's set in 2070, right? Yeah. Like, the whole mm. it's the future thing doesn't really impact the game massively beyond being able to build cities under the sea, which is cool, but you kind of expect that if you pollute the crap out of everything, it will make this environmental disaster worse, and it yeah. doesn't really. Mm. And it's, it's a bit on the nose with how, like, you can play as the tycoons who love casinos and drinking, or you can play as, like, <laughs> pollution. The, the, I forgot what they call like, the eco people who love tea and they literally theater. call the ecos <laughs> yeah they are called the ecos. And, and then and it was, it's a, that's a bit kind of yeah that's a bit on the nose it had nice design it didn't look nice like the, it looks very nice and i think yeah, it's yeah. very relaxing i think if you're tired of killing um does it, have, it does have combat doesn't it there is some but it's it's like you know there's a little naval combat in there mm. like you can get raided by you know offshore stuff but okay. but it's mostly about infrastructure and planning roads can you deal them with them without killing them can you build a giant road around them and they're just trapped no because it's boats in it Oh no! <laughs> Damn those boats! Um, mm. But no, I mean, I, I, I think it's it, it's definitely worth a look. Actually, though, massive, massive, massive disclaimer is Uplay. Um, oh yeah, because it uses Ubisoft's kind of DRM login oh, system, yeah, which yeah. I think when it was on sale on Steam was actually down. No one could play it that weekend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, buy beware on that because crappy, crappy DRM, but quite a nice game. Um, Adam Dawes asks, if you could quick save and load in real life, how often would you use it all the time? Ah, I'd probably have used it about a hundred times already in this podcast. That's a good question. Yeah, okay, the podcast maybe. Um, then you'd never you'd you'd end up spending all you know, you're still aging during this process. You? Like Groundhog Day. I'd just redo every every joke that didn't work, every If I didn't age, you know. then I'd probably do it all the time. But if I was constantly aging, you know, you'd end up just living to like twenty, wouldn't you? Because you'd have redone everything. But twenty years of complete awesomeness. I'll take twenty twenty five perfect mm, years. I think it might years. be a curse, you know. I think it might be a curse. It might <laughs> drive you mental. Be like the Mason Bummer Bowl. Yeah. You keep going back mm. and doing the same thing. Like, do you take the knowledge back? Because I just use it for the lottery every week. It's a very obvious thing to do. Horse yeah. races. Oh, yeah, but wrong horse, quick load. Yeah. Right yeah. horse. Yeah, I misjudged that comment. <laughs> quick load. Yeah. <laughs> I've been hit by a bus. Quick load. As long as you've got... I'll uh, embarrass myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you, but then you could accidentally save it just before the bus impact. Yeah. Oh, that's annoying. By the time you successfully actually dive out of the way, it's uh, taken you 40 years. And yeah. you're, you're you keep quick loading and loading and loading. <laughs> keep dying and dying and dying. It's like, terrible. Yeah. And someone's like, did you, did you see that bit where that... That 25-year-old guy walked out in front of a bus, dived out of the way, and was suddenly 50. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you'd spend years just getting awesome at jumping out the way <laughs> until you could just about manage it. That moment where you lift up the Oculus Rift and just see vomit everywhere, quick load. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Never happened. Isn't going to happen. I do it all over again, quick load. So I think yeah, I think we I think we satisfactorily answered that question. Hedonistic loop. I think. Infinite loop. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a good question. Fair play. Yeah, that was a good question. I like that. Um, Connell Lindsay asks, probably typical, but actually not, but the game that everyone hates that you love, maybe a game you find hard to explain, like Omzi or the Omnibus Simulator, which is, we had a, a, a hmm. bus diary for recently. I quite like Pokemon a bit. It's rather Pokemon. <laughs> game Boy Pokemon's pretty good. Yeah, I know, yeah. but it's just, you know. That's more of a game that's hard to justify to yourself, maybe. Like Animal Crossing, I also love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are popular games, they're well-designed. Yeah, but for little little girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little girl and all of his own. Animal Crossing is <laughs> freaking amazing, actually. Yeah. I think maybe that might be a hard sell to our, to a PC gaming audience. Uh, on uh, New Year's Eve, before uh, <laughs> the real New Year's Eve, I reset. I put the, the time on my DS back an hour just so I could have New Year's Eve and Animal Crossing <laughs> without my girlfriend getting annoyed that I wasn't opening the champagne, etc. <laughs> so <laughs> I just did a secret, a secret New Year's oh, Eve man. on my own. And then went did, back into the real world. Did you pop a tight... I had a crapper New Year's Eve with real people. <laughs> did you pop a tiny little bottle of champagne in Animal Crossing? Oh, it's amazing on New Year's Eve in Animal Crossing. <laughs> what happens in Animal oh, They all meet so up with the square, the mayor comes out. <laughs> oh, my God, there's fireworks. It's freaking awesome. And they remember you were there as well. They, they come back to you and say, oh, that was great on New Year's Eve, wasn't it? When we all spent it together. And I was like, yeah. I suppose the real New Year's Eve when no one remembers anything. Okay, so mm. if, if John Carmack showed up in your house with an hour to go until New Year's Eve, gave you an Oculus Rift and said, if you put this on, you can be in Animal Crossing for New Year's and then ran out of the room, would you <laughs> How much would on? you pay? <laughs> How much so, would you pay? So do I still get to have the real New Year's as well? Yeah, uh, but you spend New Year's with the mayor in the Oh, yeah, I pay shitloads. <laughs> I pay if you threw up on the mayor. Oh yeah, <laughs> but he would not want that, would he? Because the, the the six in real life, and I'm I'm just in. You know, as far as he knows, I'm I'm totally cool. I'm a spood or anything. Tortimer, his name is. Oh, a lot of money, significant amount of money. Enough enough to you know, as long as I could pay it back off in six months, I'd do it. Okay, six months loan, less money. money right? Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. It's not much from a bank. I can, I can raise that. Um, Tom, what would your game be? Mm, excellent question. Probably Mortal Kombat. Mm. Like what's called about three, mm. which I like quite a lot. Even though I realise it is not even a very good fighting mean. game. <laughs> when you get when you get into kind of fighting games, you realise Mortal Kombat was crap. But like yeah. when I was a kid, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I remember shouting to my mum, "Mum, come in here, come in here." She came in, and I I pulled um I did Sub Zero's classic where you 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 pull out their spine. Oh yeah, that's why I showed my mum. She it's didn't classic. seem to mind. She said, "Well, that's nice." <laughs> <laughs> she obviously didn't understand that I'd actually you know. I don't know what she thought. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a game that like I play a lot that I find it difficult to justify. I, the game that has stayed in my favourite system, Steam, and I still play is Poker Night at the Inventory, which is hmm. Telltale's poker oh, game. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And it's because, I think it's basically because sometimes I want to play a poker game and it's there and it's quite funny hmm. uh, because hmm. it's got like TF2 characters and, and Sam and Max in it and, yeah. and stuff like that. But I can't really, like, it's one of those things where if I'm playing that on Steam, it's one of the moments where you're kind of a bit self-conscious about the, you know, your friends. Mm. It's like, what's Chris doing? He's not playing. What's he, what's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> what's happened to that guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good poker game. So it's, hmm. you know, maybe it's not the most interesting answer, but it's, it's one of those things that, of all the games that I haven't left my Steam favorites, which is everything I play regularly. Mm. Um, I can't like, think of any games where I'd be embarrassed to see it popping up on my friends list maybe that's a measure of this like is there yeah. anything where you double click on it and you think I don't want um, people seeing me playing this 
No, I don't know. Not really sure. Okay, let's move on. Because <laughs> if you think of another one. Um, let's try and move through these quickly. Leo Croft asks, thoughts and opinions on Valve's terms of service? Do you not find it scary that we basically own licenses and not actual games? This is a huge topic, so let's keep it brief. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's... it's, it's I, I've never actually thought, you know... It's not. It doesn't seem like a big change to me, you know. In my head, it was always kind of like that. Like, if Valve caved, I'd lose all my games or whatevs. <laughs> yeah. I, I never really Yeah, it, it, it's one of those risks that you either think about or you don't when you're buying games on Steam. Yeah. And um, if you don't, then you maybe should and make your peace with it one way or another. Obviously, the, the, the statistical likelihood of Valve suddenly vanishing is... Is is unlikely, but you know, God knows what's in that cave of secrets. It's mm. it's weird that um, it's a secret that what would happen. You thought, but you know, going into buying a product, you'd know, you know, yeah, you should, you should know what its longevity is. You know, yeah. and it's weird that Valve surely have one, and you know, why not make that public and give everyone that peace mm. of mind to let people yeah, know what will happen if, if they mm. just vanish. Um, not just Valve, but any any digital service really. Um, so no, we don't really own our games in the in the traditional sense that you buy a box and take it home and it's yours forever. Yeah, like it's, that's it's a, not in their interest it. to stop us owning them, though, is it? It's not like, you know, it, the Valve, that's only going to happen. Valve are going to do the very best they can to keep us owning those games, aren't they? Yeah. Keep us happy with I mean, team. you know, there is, there is nonetheless the case that technology moves on. Games are one of the hardest forms of entertainment <coughs> to keep, you know, to, to maintain over time. That, yes, it's true that if you own a box game, you own it. But frankly, the operating systems are the drivers required to get stuff for running mm. you know it's possible but it's not it's hardly straightforward for, they, for they a lot of very old games they have a shelf life as well you know they, yeah a game, or, you know, and it's, it's, it's a problem generally I think and also there's you know the recent change to the terms of service for Steam mm. forbidding class action lawsuits in the states which is interesting because it's I guess the first time Valve have publicly done something that everyone kind of gets a bit cross at EA for doing with Origin or Sony yeah. for doing yeah. with PlayStation Network who also did the same thing it's obviously a nece- it's a necessary action to protect their business they, they wouldn't have done it unless it was they really were worried that someone could easily take them for a lot of money yeah. if they were to launch a, that kind of that kind of suit so mm. you know businesses will protect their interests ultimately yeah I guess yeah it's just making sure that people have options to not go for those businesses yeah that's right don't yeah. Want. I mean, Steam is so dominant that anything they do is going to have a significant knock on effect Patrick Jameson asks, are you looking forward to CSGO? Mm. No, because I suck at it. <laughs> I suck so bad. I also suck. I played on the um, beta for a bit and, you know, I admit that I do suck, but I suck so bad that it's humiliating and it made me feel... I felt like... I didn't know playing on it. I felt like a little kid in an arcade who hasn't got any money and you're pretending to play the games. You're kind of, you're sitting in the car seat pretending to play it in the attract mode. That's why I felt like playing Counter-Strike. Go, CS go. But it was kind of all pros in the beta, so maybe I'm not maybe quite as yeah. crap as I think I am. I played a bit of it for a, for a while ago and had fun with it. But again, I think I've kind of, I've lost the part of my brain that can play Counter-Strike. There's a very specific rhythm to that game about, hmm. you know, when you're careful, when you run around and, the rounds are so short in some ways, but death can seem that it lasts so long, especially if you die quickly in a round. Yeah. It's a weird rhythm compared to almost any other game I can think of, deathmatch games or, or mm. Battlefield, where you know the expanse of Battlefield kind of means that you might not see a fight, the same fight again for a long time. That's but, right. Um, but you've, nonetheless, you're still playing and doing something else. Um, yeah. I think it'll be a, there'll be a lot of excitement around it when it launches. There'll, there'll certainly be a, load, a big tournament interest in it, mm. but I can't see myself playing it personally. 
very much. I'll definitely try it. <laughs> but I've, uh, yeah, I've never really enjoyed spectating Counter Strike as a sport mm, because no, it's mm. so so immaculately twitch based. Like mm. it's this guy just bunny hops slightly around the edge of this crate and pulled off this perfect headshot where mm. there's never going to be as visual as a StarCraft match or a Dota match or a Quake Live match or you know mm. something like that. Like that makes it. Yeah, it's true. I think you have to know it really well to to, to perceive the skill in it. Not which is definitely not to say that there isn't a huge amount of skill in it, but it's again a tough tough sell. Um, then we have let's finish off with Oliver who asks how much of each, each of the casters or all of us spent on free to play games over the years and how much are they willing to spend per game uh, good question I spent I've spent quite quite a bit on TF2 but just for basically I, I played the medic and I was sad because there wasn't that much medic stuff which I could buy and on the blighted beak came out you know, the mm. weird beak thing the, like the plague doctor mask thing yeah so I bought that and then I bought his taunt as well, where the devs pop out, meet the medic taunt. Hmm. That's cool. Because that's just awesome. And I, I've, made, I've got my money's worth out of it because I do it every single round at <laughs> <laughs> the start. Um, and I put some in the tribes as well, actually. Seven or eight quid. But we hmm. got some kind of free credit in the early stages of tribes because we, we were talking about it in the mag. Um, I don't think I've ever spent any money in a free-to-play game, which is done because I have in Diablo 3 <laughs> uh, but I'm one of those guys who tries not to pay if I can possibly help it so I'll try and stretch the free to play model as far as it will possibly go before I cave in and get something and often by the time I've hit that point I'm kind of done with it anyway um, I'd be tempted to put down money for a lot of tax to increase the leveling speed there uh, otherwise I generally don't really dig it Like especially um, I've never had an urge to buy a hat or a kind of visual item that will make me look different. Just never ever had that urge. I mean, oh, right, that's the only urge I get. <laughs> how, how much did you spend in Diablo? Um, I put ten quid into it. Wow. Because I wanted to see what it would happen, <laughs> what it would do to the game, and how, <laughs> yeah. how the real money auction house really interacts with mm. that game. Uh, turns out what not well. <laughs> uh, you, Chris. Um, I spent probably about a couple of quid on Team Fortress. Um, I bought the medic um, like starter pack thing because hmm. I heard that those. Um, packs um kind of once you bought one thing it kind of enhances your drop rate across the board and there were a few things i wanted like the extra healy gun thing um and i spent the rest of the money i put some a certain amount on my steam wallet um to buy that and i felt so bad about it that i immediately went and bought an indie game with the rest of the money because it was like you know i had like two quid left over something it's like what can mm. i buy so i went and bought uh, an indie shooter or something for to kind of make up the difference did you regret your purchase or was it no i mean I, I played a lot of team you know, i played many many hours of team fortress 2 and yeah. that kind of you know I, I definitely used it um I've also I recently bought the Storm Spirit announcer for Dota 2, which means that my favorite character it announces the games for me now, and my friends that I play with can tick to have him announce their games, which is easily the most frivolous thing I bought in a free-to-play game. How much was it? But it's pretty Five cool. pounds. Wow. For an extra voice pack. I mean, it's 20 minutes of extra voice work, but it's yeah. still a bit of a ask. And if I want the rest of it, I have to spend another £2.50. And again, I, um, I felt so bad for doing that. that um, oh, no, I tell a lie as well. I also bought a key. It's the only time I've ever bought a key for a lockbox because the things I really hate are lockboxes. Like, yes, I yeah, hate I think that, that sucks as well. Um, yeah. And I won't do it normally. And then they got me, and they got me, and it made me feel bad. Um, and I had to have a big think and look at myself in the mirror because they got me with that. They did a special summer chest. They okay. did a chest that could only drop during the summer sale. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the summer sale, it would turn into a regular chest, but it had special things on it during the summer, and you unlocked it with a special key that's got mm. the same as the regular keys. So I bought a special key, and that's the one that I had leftover money with. And yeah. when I used that leftover money, went straight to the Steam sale, and bought a bunch of indie stuff. And the keys don't drop, see? That's, they never yeah. drop? The keys never, ever drop, do they? Um, no, and that's the problem. And like, one thing I will sad. say um, on this, and it's not a free-to-play game, but one thing that struck me about the last 
Beta Weekend for Guild Wars 2 was that they have lockboxes, but their keys do drop. Oh, there you and go. That's, uh, or you get them as a quest reward every so often. Yeah. And like, to be honest, that makes total sense because it gets people addicted to opening them. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like You say, oh, I've opened two. Yeah, the idea of opening it is, is bloody lovely because it's really fun, isn't it? Opening yeah. a box with um, a key. But like that. that you know, I mean, and I think you know, it's not just—it's not an act of blind generosity. It makes total sense because it gets mm. people looking at your store seriously. Um, whereas, you know, I think Dota Dota is an interesting one because I don't really want like—I mean, it's got 108 characters in it. I've got one I really like, but I try and play all of the characters because well, not 180 characters yet, but it will. And I want to play all of them eventually. So why would I buy load, spend loads of money buying items for just one of them? Mm. Like that doesn't really make sense to me. Um, would how much would I spend per game? It, I don't know. I, it's weird that I, I think like everyone else here, I've spent money on paid games like I've spent a little bit of money on Mass Effect 3 boxes to my eternal shame I've spent um, you know I've spent money in games that I've paid I, mean, I paid for TF2 because I mean that was before it was free to play so hmm. you know but actual free to play games I haven't actually spent that much in which is weird yeah. it's kind of it's the worst thing that can happen if you buy something that makes you feel bad for buying it as though you've caved that's, yeah, the, that's yeah, a really yeah. bad experience it's clearly that's got to be the result of a bad and you're right about the key that's the yeah. ultimate example of that like McCormick is the one who if he was in this podcast Rich McCormick he spends ludicrous amounts of things on free to play and paid for games he just if something is there to be opened or unlocked then he physically cannot resist doing it yeah but he's being manipulated by yeah. uh, Skinner Box like that's what he's happening. got a weak brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I guess you're right I mean I, weird like opening that Dota box I got a bunch of stuff in it that I didn't want for characters I don't mm. I mean because I don't really care about any of those items and when I, I play with a regular group of guys and you know yourself included and whenever I play I, I've got these items I'm like does anyone want I've got like eight nine boxes in my Steam inventory mm. Dota 2 I haven't opened and I ask people like does who plays Bounty Hunter do you want my Bounty Hunter items because I don't mm. like just have them I just mm. give them away now mm. so like because I feel bad that I once opened this box <laughs> Basically, it's it, that key unlocked all of my guilt. Box of guilt. On that bombshell. And on that <laughs> note, we will call it an evening. It's really, really raining outside, so I'm, I'm kind of reluctant oh, to stop the podcast. Oh, we just stay here forever. Should just stay here. Maybe. It's warm, it's it's warm in here. Warm in here. <laughs> have, we got, have we got anything fun to do apart from another podcast? We drink some water. We could drink some water. There it is. We should probably end this because people are going to be still be listening, and and that's uh, you know yeah. But we'll just chill quietly here for yeah. the rest of the day. Well, if you if you want to hang out with us listeners in the future, then then feel free we'll to be just in the leave. podcast studio. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Come round. Anyway, uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, I was Chris. That was Owen. That was Tom. Bye. Bye. Bye.